Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. With over 21 class-leading brands, Wakeling Automotive is home to your next new car. Call Maddie anytime. 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. Welcome to Morning Glory with Maddie Johns. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to Morning Glory. Uh, now, big show today. We're going to welcome back a vital cog in the machine. We'll get to that in a second. We're going to preview some massive games over the course of the weekend. Some blockbusters. Movie of the Week, Sound Advice, Slice of Denon. We're going to talk about Munster. Is it Storm, Dolphins, uh, Broncos and the Tigers have come in with a massive offer. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, welcome, bloke in the bar, Denon Kemp. Beak, how are you, buddy? Me. Very, uh, mate. Well, I was going good yesterday uh, after the Broncos' performance. Oh, very sad times at the Broncos. Very disappointing times, but happy to be here, mate. Happy uh, to be here. It's good. Uh, the Prince of Pennant Hills, uh, Ben Hogarth. How are you, Ben? I'm really well. Had a great week, Matty, as you know. Yes. So it's been a, yeah, feeling good. Uh, the man with the magic fingers, Maestro. How are you? Very, very well. Full of caffeine. Ready to go. Excited. Yeah. Pumped. <laughs> now, a man who is... F- <laughs> his cup has been full. Uh, he's gone to Birmingham. Española, <laughs> Madrid, San Sebastian, Andrew Webster from the Sydney Morning Herald. Webby, is great to have you back. Great to be back, Matthew. G'day, guys. G'day, listeners. Now I am back. Part of me's back. Yes, mm. yes. I've got, I'm still a bit jet-lagged, so if I start to snore while you're mid-sentence... It's not that I'm not interested in what you're saying. I'm just tired. Well, we had a yarn to the airline. They've picked up. They've, they've found your soul. Oh. And they're going to send it back. But in about 20, 30 minutes, we're going to discuss your trip at length, uh, discuss your energy levels, uh, everything like that. Um, what, but we're what? also going to talk about all the things you missed. Holy right. shit. Oh. Hasn't, it been, God, hasn't it been in six weeks in rugby league? I dodged a couple of bullets. Oh. Believe me, when I was sipping sangrias in, oh. <laughs> in Barcelona, I was thinking, God, I'm glad I'm not there. Oh. I, just, I just like that the, the, the term weak gutted dog person is now part of rugby league lexicon. <laughs> Mate, it's so good. I feel like getting a shirt making a weak gutted dog person. What is, that, that, what is that green sh- Is That's Long Bay Green. It is. Yeah, I pinched it off Joey. <laughs> Back in the old day when he got done for the Eckies. <laughs> Sorry, Ecky. <laughs> oh, Benny Hogarth, we've had a week. We have had a week. We got to uh, meet someone that I like to consider larger than life. Dear friend. A caricature of himself in, in a way because his personality is so big, so legendary, mm. Shaquille O'Neal. He was, boys, let you get – he – you would never, you you will not meet a more well-meaning gentleman than Shaquille O'Neal. But he's huge, isn't he? Oh, I've, seen, I've seen, I saw him at a Super Bowl party when I was in San Fran many a few years ago, and I went, "That is the biggest human I've ever seen." Oh, man. Don't, don't, did you find that when you saw him? Yes, I did. I was concerned he was going to fall on me. <laughs> like honestly, 
It's uh, up there, like the Andre the Giant story, where he fell on a guy drunk in a foyer, and they had to they had to get the fire rig, had to get him off. <laughs> True story. Uh, oh. But like, um, just a just a fantastic guy. You will not get a more generous person, and I don't mean that just financially, because the the stories of his generosity are almost bigger now than his exploits on the court. Mm. But but just his generosity, giving his time to people. What an event! There was never it, like people were just flocking to him, and, and he just loved it. Yeah, we're like we've all been to junkets, but this one was particular. Was, yeah, the vultures were out. Anyone wanted a little bit of shack, and yeah. you know what? He was he took it all in his stride. He's he's very very large stride, but he's quite he's quite dry. His sense of yeah. humour is mm. very dry. He's quite laconic. He's he's just a yeah, he's an he's, interesting he's dude. Very, he's very good on that um, TNT show with Charles Barkley. Awesome. That's great TV. Yeah, they understand. And they, and they don't care. They just, nah. they just riff. Well, they, and, we, and we asked him about Charles. We said, oh, what's Charles like? And he said, who? <laughs> Gives him he nothing. Goes, Gives him he nothing. said, yeah, Blake used to play for the Phoenix Suns. He goes, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Is he Australian? <laughs> we said, yeah, I think he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he, he was terrific. And the, the night after... Um, we were, had the day with him. Uh, the Melbourne Storm boys went to dinner with him. Oh, really? Yes. He went out with the Melbourne Storm boys. Coop was there, and he said he was unbelievable. He just sat there. He and Munster sat, sat next to each other. Oh. And both their heads were spinning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you meet a person, you go, geez, you know, I hope they're nice. Yeah, mate. Exceeded expectations. Terrific guy. Uh, Parramatta boys last night, 53-6, Beak. Right. Tell you what, the Broncos, mate, they are they're on the ropes and they are wobbling. Oh, hundred over a hundred missed tackles in two games of footy. And that is just you know, I, I try not to get I try to if put it this way, if I was talking about this last night, I'd probably say some things I'd regret. Because mm. like watching that two weeks in a row, it's just unacceptable. It is unacceptable for a club as proud as the Brisbane Broncos. Now, mm. we've all had blowouts, we've all being a, I mean, Maddie, we've all been a part of them, so yep. there's no yep. getting away from the fact that sometimes you rock up and you just get towed up. But two in a row after you were in the top four six weeks ago is absolutely not acceptable so, in Jersey. So I've divided my life into pre-San Sebastian and post-San Sebastian. <laughs> yep. So pre-me leaving, the Broncos were firing. They were the story of the season with the Cowboys. Unbelievable. So then, so then I come back in the last day to see Selwyn Cobbo didn't play because he was tired? He, yeah, he's had. Fatigued? What's going on there? Uh, we were talking to Gordon about that, and they just said that, that they think he hasn't quite recovered from, from the concussion. From, or, oh, okay. from the origin. I think fatigue, but he just hasn't been himself, and they can see he's a little bit burnt out at the moment, post-origin series. Then the other thing was just, this is what I couldn't really understand, was Kevin Walter saying after the game last night that they've got an attitude problem. So how is there? A, how how have they be developed Develop an attitude problem quick. in five weeks? It's a really big one, Webby, and it was a moment of madness when I saw it. I said, "What does he think, Pat Carrigan, when he did the uh, hip drop right. and copped that big yeah. suspension?" Mm. At that, like, really going into when he got suspended, I was watching him play, going, "My God, this bloke is such an intelligent player." Because during the season, he'd added to his game. He was he was he was playing like an Isaiah Yo role. Mm. and really helping out Adam Reynolds as far as the creativity. Him being suspended, they miss his creativity. They miss his defence. Biggest thing, they miss his leadership. Oh. He's left such a hole. Mate, I was watching the, them, you know, behind the line after a few tries, and there just they just didn't seem to be any anger or, you know, and usually Paddy would be in the middle of that, you know, getting yeah. the boys G'd up. I think Payne is missing Paddy 
Big massively. Time. I also think Payne is also in a situation where Izzy is like we've seen Payne put together performances even when we're playing terribly, mm. and even he is being affected by what's happened at the Brizzy Broncos. It's it's just and I, look, I understand like look, let's let's say Selwyn Cobo is is tired. Like let's say that is truly mm. the situation. Is him playing a game going to negative him affect, affect him that much? I, t- I tell you, Denon, what was, what was interesting was the fact that two weeks ago scored a hat-trick hmm. against Newcastle. Scores hmm. a hat-trick, and then there's a game in between, and he's tired. I think if a player's tight, and I don't know if they did or not, you just go, hey, hey, mate, don't, don't come to training today. Hmm. Come to training. We're going to be out in the field. You just go to the pool. Relax. Mm. It's just all about game day. It just seemed like a really weird. There's got to be more to that. That's that's the thing. It just seemed like a really weird description of a player mm. not playing with the team, fighting for its spot in the eight. Like, like Matty, could you imagine going to a coach when we were coming through and saying, "Mate, just a bit in your rookie year, essentially," mm. and saying, "Mate, just just a bit tired." They'd say, um, "They'd say no problem. Have a week off and then shake hands with the reserve grade yeah. coach when you come back." Hundred percent. Mm. Parramatta, Parramatta were, were excellent. There's there's a warning around Parramatta last night is that um, the, the elation at full time, the high-fiving. Mm. I've seen uh, – if I'm a Parramatta fan, I'm going, I've seen this before. Yep. Let's go back a couple of seasons. Um, Parramatta, first week of the finals at Suncorp Stadium, they beat um, they beat uh, Broncos 50-0. Who do they play the week after? They play the Melbourne Storm, mm. and Melbourne absolutely give it to them. And knock them out of the competition. So who they got next week? They got the Melbourne Storm next their, week. Their form now means nothing. It doesn't yeah. matter if they have got momentum now. It's the last two games of the year that matter for Parramatta. Yeah, matter it's matter sure for Parramatta. Matter for Parramatta. Yeah, uh, still got you it. Know, Brad was there. Was there was? <laughs> do you know like um, when you have when you have a great win, you know you've had a great win when you turn around and the coach is on the sideline. Do you know? And there was just that. There was lots of high fives at the end. And I'm just going, hey, boys, you've got to get grounded as quick as you can. Because it is so easy to get the last 15 minutes of the big win mixed up with the first 15 minutes of the next game. Mm. Happens all the time, you see it. And in one way, in one sense, it's a real positive that they're playing Melbourne next week. If they had a, if they had the Tigers next week, I'd go, boys, you've been softened up here to be, to be belted week one. Mm. But... They got the storm. I, I get the feeling that the storm will probably really show them if there's any cracks in their armor. Mm. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll they'll expose them for Brad. So it's a in a lot of ways it's a good thing they got Melbourne next week. You can't bag them too much. They've won fifty three six. They won fifty three. <laughs> they they did. It's better than the concern is just that we've seen it before. Yeah, for is, sure. That's exactly I, right. I will say in Eel's defence that. At the very least, and this is, you know, a low bar, but at the very least, at least they're winning games of football at the end of the year. Yeah. Like, you know, last couple of years, mm. that it was truly just like they were at the top of the cliff and they just went straight down. You know, yes, they did come back and they they put a good game towards the Knights and against the Penny Panthers. But I think the positive at least is like they're three on the trot now, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you, boys. Do not get ahead of yourself. You're playing a team that missed nearly 50 tackles. 50 tackles. That's not going to happen against the Melbourne Storm. The positive thing is um, Mitch Moses, Dylan Brown, Gutho, uh, Reed Money, their spine was it was terrific. It, it's it's the reverse of the Broncos. In the Broncos, look, we just, just back in the Broncos for a second, is that what the Broncos have still got a good yardage game. Mm. 
But the problem is when they get up in attacking positions or they're trying to use the football, they're coming up with errors all the time. And I've seen this with sides all the time in, in what you're talking about with Payne is that a guy like Payne gets you down to the 22. Right? And from there, which is the most difficult part of the field, is that right now you've got to get across that line. Mm. You've got to turn it into points. And at the moment, the Broncos can't. And, and to be fair, the moment that – uh, Reynolds went yeah. off with the HIA. You knew it was all over. Ezra Mann, I think, is an uh, unbelievable player, a runner of the ball. He made yep. some, some some runs he made last night were really special, I thought. But he, there was two kicks there that just went dead yeah. on the last he's tackle. A, he's then. a young bloke who's a great runner of the football. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. it's just a, the, the Broncos are in this really weird position where they they the tough thing is if they go down this route, they go from – this incredible youthful group that we're going, looking towards next year going, they could challenge for a premiership too. Oh, maybe they don't even have the roster to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a crazy where it's a clean out. Like put it this way, six weeks ago, you would say, this is the roster to go forward with. Maybe one or two recruits. Yeah. Now I'm sitting there watching going, we need a bit of a clean out again. Yeah. Like, I'd be, you know what I'd be doing? I, if I'd be sitting there at the moment going, we've got to, we've got to forego some of our go forward and land Munster. Hmm. Oh that's mate, what, that, that's that's sort of play they knew because to watch how they played last night, they 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 were like they were two or three years ago. They're a team with looked like they had zero belief. They haven't sorted the Munster thing out yet. No, oh, well, tell oh, what we're going to do on that note, Webby. We're going to discuss this next on the things that you have missed. Uh, stick around, people. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Yeah, brought to you by Body Science. Discover the Body Body Science Low Carb Protein Moose range today. Webby, I'm looking at you. Okay, this is. Yeah. Uh, this I've been is... high carb <laughs> for a month. High carb, high. Mate, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, very, very good. Now, Webby, the things that you have. Dodged. Uh, <laughs> sublime, ridiculous, unfortunately the tragic when it comes to the Knights. Uh, side who have been under the most pump, under the pump the most, should I say, uh, have been the Knights. They've won one of their last 10. That was against the Tigers. Uh, firstly, um, uh, the situation, I mean, Adam, it's, it goes without saying, when you, he has been under pressure, there's been the press conference stuff, which he's had to explain all that going on. The first one we'll talk about is, mate, the... Hayden Knowles clash with David Clement. Now, um, he was stood down David Clemmer in the on, on-field clash. It was something that was aired publicly. Mm. Uh, I, I have never played with a forward. We'll put it this way. Paul Harrigan, every time the trainer tried to get Chief off, the Chief would tell him where to go. Mm. I think most forwards worth their salt, but uh, Hayden Knowles has left the club now. Right. It, it's been, it, but it was, it, it started a lot of this stuff. It, it was really, really messy. So let me get this right. So HR departments are now uh, running an eye over football clubs uh, and football teams. Mm. That's a bit of a can of worms, I'd suggest. Sure is. He's bounced around a few clubs, Hayden. He's, um, he's had a lot of success, but I, I just cannot believe that that's something that wasn't handled in-house. Mm. I, I'm assuming it happens every game or all the every time game. in, in, in football don't... clubs. Everything that I've ever known through my career is those things happen regularly. Um, well, the they're usually best... st- they're forgotten straight away. Well, the Knights' greatest ever leader, um, Paul Harrigan, was absolutely livid. Mm. He but said it... he just couldn't believe it. I just I, – I just – this is a perfect example, I think. If you haven't, like, played NRL, you don't understand these forwards – a madman. 
Like, the, if you want a good forward in rugby league that is in a front row, he needs to be a madman. So, like, him swearing, you accept that and almost praise it because you're going, yeah. that's the mindset I want him in. I want him to kill, run, throw over everything, yeah. everything. Yeah, the other, the other end of the spectrum is the forward who puts his hand up and says he's tied. I mean, where's the respect there? Mm. Or oh, take off. me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm right. Ready. I need I'm, a bit of a breather. I'm ready to go. Mm. Uh, Bradman Best, uh, a couple of days later, um, turned up to the bus late, uh, had a few drinks the night before. Uh, he was dropped again. It was aired publicly, mm. which I think in a lot of ways didn't have to be done. I think it was done publicly to say, hey, these are the standards we're upholding. It was just... But again, it was I, unnecessary. I, I, so I've still had my emails going. I was getting, I got the email about it, and the media release from the club was very vague about what it was, and everyone's speculating mm. on it. But it was also around the same time that the Ponga thing happened. Yes, yeah, so let's get on to Brasco Gate, mm. um, <laughs> the Delaney Hotel, which is wonderful. The status. I went there recently, and they've had Renos. Honestly, the pokey room's fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Callum Ponga, Kurt Mann, and look, the bit, the biggest thing about this was. It was when they were getting beat by the Broncos. It was that night. People are going, hang on, Kalen, all that sort of stuff. But Optics. Optics. It, optics so let me just get this right. So is buying a house, is that now code for something? <laughs> no. Well, I don't know what buying a dog means. <laughs> exactly. um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, Webby, it was, a, it was a really big story. I suppose when you're a fan, there's nothing you dislike more than your star player who performs – in a rep jump, jumper yep. and not so much in a, for your club. And I think I don't care that they were in a toilet cubicle. I don't care what they were doing. Yep. What, again, what it, rugby league loves a toilet cubicle scandal too, doesn't it? <laughs> There's been some over the years. You can write a book on toilet cubicle st- yeah. scandals in Actually, rugby league. I might do that. That's not <laughs> bad, is it? Yeah. Get Joey to do the forward. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, oh, of but, course um, I'm joking. Yeah, but it was. You're right. <laughs> it, um, was, it, yeah. was, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a good look. Okay, the Knights' um, biggest rival, Manly Seagulls. They haven't the Pride Jersey saga. Now, Webby, I can only imagine you're sitting on the beach enjoying your tapas in San Sebastian, and you're getting calls. What do you think well, about this, Webby? Well, it's funny. So it was kicking off as I was at the airport, flying to Birmingham to cover the Commonwealth Games. And I was getting texts about it, and I said, oh, thank God, I'm about to get on a flight for 15 hours. By the time I got to Dubai, there was three angry emails giving it to me over the whole incident. I didn't even know, hardly knew about it. And then by the time I got to Birmingham, there was another three. So um, I was uh, ridiculous. I was glad that I dodged that. I, I tell you who I, uh, we spoke about, I, feel, I really feel sorry for Ian Roberts. When mm. this goes on, for a bloke that's done so much in the game that a lot of people don't pick up the phone until something like this happens and goes, what, and they go, what do you what think? What do you think? Yeah. What do you, yeah. Well, we, you know what I think. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, Look, I don't know if they didn't want to wear the jumper, then don't wear the jumper. But I, um, I just thought, like all these things, it's a bit like Falau. It's like the big wider debate that every that, that grows out of it. And yeah, um, I know one thing though: rugby league needs to wrap its head around this issue because you have a large Pacifica um, player base which have very strong Christian beliefs, um, and you also have an NRLW competition, which is only going to get bigger, which has a lot of same-sex relationships. Yeah, right. So we're all going to have to work out how to get on with each other mm. at some stage. Do you, do, do you think that – I know it's been such a bad representation, but it, is this like a 
the silver lining of like ripping the Band-Aid off almost, do you think, or no? Oh, I would have thought the Falau situation yeah. was, you know. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I get disappointed in some of the, the rhetoric and that comes around it. That said, though, oh, I've, yeah. I, I try to have a bit of an open mind to this stuff about, I understand where, you know, people are different. People have different mm. beliefs. That's fine. Mm. But freedom of speech doesn't absolve you of freedom of criticism. Mm. Mm. That's right. And, and Webby, on, on one side of thing, you, you look at it and you go, oh, mate, that was it, yeah, ordinary and hurtful. On the other side, man, I tell you what, there was a lot of support in the game, though, as far it as was. the Pride jersey. It seemed like a, That's yeah. the other – that's the but flip on the, side. But on the flip side of that, I, I thought it was terrible that, that those seven players were told by police not to come to the game. Mm. I thought that was mm. – honestly mm. – can um, we all just get on? <laughs> mate, I tell you, Webby, it, it's really hurt the playing group. They, they were set to play finals. If they had a, a a few good weeks, they've lost four in a row since. Four on the hop. Unbelievable. Got. See, yeah. to me, that's that was the story. Just what it meant for them as a as a club. Now the Ricky Stewart uh, press conference. Um, it was um, it was after the game that they dropped against the Penrith Panthers. Uh, Jamin Salmon kicked uh, Tom Starling at the testicles. It's been a big month for testicles too. Poor old Tom Dearden. Uh, hats off to him. And How to... tough to play 80 minutes. Oh, mate. And he didn't go and report it until the next day. Awesome. Well done to you, Tom. <laughs> Trish said to me, how much does that hurt? I said, incredible. She goes, as much as childbirth? Don't know. <laughs> I've never had childbirth and you don't have testicles, so we'll never know. Um, but re- the uh, weak gutted dog person. Uh, I'm going to make a shirt on this. That's uh, Nexium, I think, should be sponsoring uh, <laughs> sponsoring the Raiders I had images of maybe even a cartoon of a cat dog. <laughs> well, to me, this? watching from afar, the whole thing just shows one that Ricky just and I'm, I, I don't mind saying I'm a mate of Ricky's. We never ever got on at all, and we um, later in his career we started to get on really well. As I said to him once, I said the thing I love about you, Stick, is unlike most people in rugby league, you stab you in the back, you stab in the front. Right. So at least you know where you stand with him, and that's yeah. that's one of his redeeming features. He cannot he ha- struggles with his loyalty and his passion and i just the way that that all came out of that press conference yeah. was um I, was 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 pretty poor as a father i can understand how his fatherly instincts got in the way of coaching professionalism yes when you the things that have been said that happened in the past you know what i i i, I get it but it doesn't all, make it right it's also the it. bane and beauty of ricky that an 11 year old jamin salmon is still living rent free in his head yes <laughs> Anthony Griffin, um, under pressure. I think it's really important when you're a head coach when you're under pressure. Sack the assistants. Uh, <laughs> it says, it says, and ain't me. I'm getting bad advice. Matt Head, Peter Gentle, pretty, pretty tough. But, and for Hook, it's the last throw of the dice. When you sack the assistants and things continue to go bad, guess what? It ain't me, it's you. Well, what is it? I think it also says a lot that they made an approach for Cameron Serraldo and sussed him out at the 11th hour before Serraldo signed with the Dogs. Uh, St. George, on the day that they appointed Anthony Griffin, made an approach to see if Paul Green was available. Wow. So they were very, you know, it's not like he's been their best option. It's almost like he's the only option they had. I've, I've, you know, I, I don't understand why they re-signed him. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure they've got out clauses in their contract for next season if they have to get rid of him early. But, 
you know. And we're not that's, being that's smart. Too, no, and you're not being a smarty here because at the time when they did it, you said, so what are they doing extending? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's two years in a row that they haven't made the finals with him as coach. Do you, do you think, like, do you think the message it sends to get rid of your assistants midway through a season, is that a good thing or a bad thing to the player group? Serious question. Mm. Like saying basically, you know, we're all in this together and then midway through the year announcing all these boys are gone by the end of the year. I, I, I couldn't understand. And Craig Young was interesting when Albert come out. His man, great integrity. Yeah. And he said, they asked him, they said, was it a club decision? He said, no, it was Anthony's decision. When we appoint a head coach, it's his team and his decisions. So they've, that, that, for me, that's Albert putting Anthony Griffin on notice to say, hey, this is yours. Mm, own if it. this doesn't work, then you're next. My that's only, obvious. My drama, my, my concern as a, as a Dragon supporter is that they've got so much potential in terms of their juniors, mm. and I just don't want to see that squandered. Oh, yeah. um, you know, Some of the best juniors in the comp. 100%. And what I think Serraldo was really interested in that job because of their juniors. Mm. What about Serraldo? Five-year deal at the Dogs, and I think what probably persuaded him is while you've been gone, Webby, you might be the reason, but their, <laughs> their, their form, I mean, they dropped off the last week or two, but their form had been exceptional. They didn't look like the dogs, did they? No. But that's a, I think that's a really important win for well, – it was a good win for Gus, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. Even though he denied that it was ever going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm stunned. Yeah. I'm stunned. But it was a good coup for the club. And the fact that they've um, they've got the best assistant coach going around says a lot for, for where they're headed. But it's all proofs in the pudding. I've got to say that – Proofs in the pudding. Five-year deal, yeah. assistant coach. That yep. black eye you've got. Oh, it's uh, you're almost more rugged since you've come yeah. back. Your opinion Ooh, I, has I, more weight. Right. Yeah, good. I, I yeah, totally agree. Yeah, cut that dragon. <laughs> you got you got street cred. Uh, Latrell on a positive note. Latrell Mitchell's return. Uh, when he first mate, I tell you what, he was he just been he's been toying with the opposition. Um, he's been so relaxed. He's been open, credible with the media, uh, but some of his football, my God. He's back to his explosive best by the looks of it. Yes. Um, he did interviews this week. He did a series of one-on-one interviews with uh, with journos. Yeah. Stop the presses, mm. literally. Like, like, I can't believe He just seems like he's in such a happy space. So that's why Wayne Bennett just had to put a little <laughs> seed of doubt in there and say, oh, yes, look, if he comes on the market uh, on okay. November 1, then I'll have to I'll have to look at him. Lovely. You've You've... Segway that beautifully, what we worked worked on across the coffee shop, Munster <laughs> and Wayne. Now, this this is interesting because reports are that Matt Tripp, they're almost going, mate, we're almost certain we're going to lose him. Mm. Um, they've tabled an offer now three years, $3 million. That sounds like it's the last throw of the dice, that they can't get any high. They've obviously done a little bit of rejigging. That's what they've got to, which in a lot of ways makes them vulnerable to a side like to a Dolphins knocking them out of the park. Mm. Um, and the latest one, which was reported yesterday, which I was assured last night from a journalist that I trust, that the um, that the West Tigers are offering five-year deal, 1.4 a year. <sighs> it depends on what he wants, isn't it? Yeah. Does he want Does he want the cash? Mm. To sail into retirement, um, or does he want more comps? Mm. I would have. The, th- the the big picture thing for me is I cannot believe 
that we are talking about what Cameron Munster is doing in 2024 in August 2022. Mm. It just seems like insanity. Like mm. I just the NRL keeps talking about doing something about their transfer system. Then the, I think this is a sure sign that they need to do something with it. I've got no read on it to be honest because I've been away. But I, I, before I left, I really got the feeling that he was going to stay. Yeah, my, my, my gut feel is if if Melbourne got to one one, that he would stay. But I tell you, if, if a million's as far as and it's three years, then a Dolphins coming in offering one point three. I'm different, boys. I think he's gone. The Dolphins. Yeah. Oh, actually, before all this happened, and this was like years, like a couple of years ago, I um I said I, I think he'll finish his career in Queensland. He's a mm. Queensland. He loves Queensland. He lo- he he wants. To, he was. He grew up. Idolizing the Broncos, Darren Lockyer and that. And yes, obviously the Dolphins aren't the Broncos. But I think that he's always had in his, again, this is just an assumption, but he's always had in his head to finish in Queensland. So I, I personally think he's gone. I think the Dolphins were off with such a huge contract because they have to spend their cap, mm-hmm. even if they front load it. Because mm-hmm. let's go, well, we've got to spend it anyway. We may as well front load it to Munster, give him a crazy first year deal, and then just taper off a little bit towards yeah. the end. I think I think he'll go to the Dolphins. The, w- the and, way that Wayne, sorry, the, the, mm-hmm. way, the way that Wayne went, made those comments about Latrell, told me how desperate he is to get Munster. Mm. And finally, at the start of the year, um, a lot of the coaches were coming out saying, listen, we talk about player welfare. Let's talk about coach welfare and the pressure that we're subjected to. The tragic passing of Paul Green. Absolutely tragic. Um, Great coach, won that competition with the Cowboys. Um, there's, yeah, I just found the whole thing particularly yeah. sad watching it from afar and the respect that he had given the, the tributes that came f- from so many people just sort of sums up this, his standing in the game. We'll take a break. Uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to uh, preview this big game uh, tonight, the Roosters and the Storm. And it is time for uh, Spray of the Day. Uh, Hunter Industries built on innovation, residential and commercial irrigation. Yes, Spray of the Yay. Uh, now, guys, mm. I'm loath to talk about this. I'm doing Invest Hadley impersonation where you just get, when you know something, he goes, <sighs> okay. <laughs> Club 77. Uh, club 77, a uh, bit of a legendary um, club in Darlinghurst. Quite a bit of debauchery goes on, which is exactly the type of club I like to go to. Um, it's brought in a policy where patrons will be thrown out barred or even had the police called on, on them for staring at someone without verbal consent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, in the club, there's going to be people walking around in vests, patrolling the club, and a person can go up and make an official complaint, or they'll be observing that if you stare at someone too much without their verbal consent, then... Yeah, you're in trouble. You're on the you're not on the same page because I've written it down. That was mine. Club <laughs> <70 is there. laughs> so I've just come from overseas where you can basically drink on the street with it holding a glass container. Oh wow! Oh, who would have thought drinking beer out of a out of a glass on the street till three a.m. But what if that's your move? Staring. <laughs> Well, That's would, my move. I would suggest. They better not, I hope they don't rule out drooling. <laughs> <laughs> well, Webby, if I'm standing in a club, well, back in the day, and I turn around and there's someone staring at me, I sort of go, hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's looking good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd want to throw out they're not staring at me. What's going Exactly. But what about, what if you're the safety officer in the pink fluoro vest? 
So, look, that ugly bloke over there is glaring at me. Well, no, mate, no. Talk about a thankless job. No, he's cross-eyed. Oh, but, man. like, what do you do? You walk up and you say, I would, is it okay if I stare at you? Because you have to get consent to stare. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. It's nanny it's state but then also, Ben, okay, you support this. <laughs> I do support it because I, I feel really attacked sometimes because people do stare, <laughs> and I feel offended by that, and I would like them taken away by the police. Yes. It's, it's, but we've all met a you know a young young boy or girl across across the room in you mate. know you've 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 met eyes and when you go, the eyes oh, meet when the yeah. eyes meet you're looking across and there's says that you go a little bit of magic yeah there. it's, a, it's <laughs> sorry I'm married magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of, it's a little oh, bit of magic I thought you were your brother yeah I went through McDonald's about two at the drive-through, and I'm going, "What's going on?" And all these sort of young uh, young people started gathering at the window, and they go, uh, and you could see them going talking. And I'm going, "What's going on here?" One of them said, um, "You've got a brother, have you?" And I said, "Yeah, just give me my uh, McFeast, guys." Yeah. It's, it's Maestro. It's nuts, isn't it? I don't think I. I think I'd still have my virginity. If you weren't allowed to stare across, oh. uh, now, <laughs> oh, maestro. maestro masturbation doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> oh, while staring. Oh yeah, it's that type uh, of show today. Uh, yes, uh, spray of the day. Uh, okay, uh, Hunter Industries built on innovation, residential and commercial irrigation. Hunterindustries.com.au. We better take a break after this Webby's Travels. Yes, brought to you by Mate Internet and Mobile, 5G mobile plans in every territory or state. Why wait? Make the switch to Mate. It's time for Webby's Travels. Yes, yeah, so the Prince of Pennant Hills come up with that one. And when you played it to me a couple of days ago, it's just been in my head since then. Oh, I, I Jackson love Jackson Brown. Brown. Oh, yeah. So good, so good. That's where Glenn Frey, who's he? Yep, he was down, he lived downstairs from Jackson Brown and said, listening to Jackson Brown upstairs playing the piano taught him how, how to write music. And Jackson Brown, of course, wrote Take It Easy for the Eagles. Did he really? Oh, he did, yeah. There you oh, go. There's a, little, there's a little nugget for you guys. We'll take a break. No. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> mate, the that's trip. One th- that's one thing I didn't do in the last month. Take it easy. Oh, yeah. How was it, mate? Uh, overall, the trip. Love it? It was great. It was good. Uh, so I went over to cover the Commonwealth Games, and then I took two weeks off afterwards to, um, to travel around Spain and then finished with four what was supposed to be relaxing nights in Soho in London. Mm. It didn't really turn out that way. But but the, mm. but the Commonwealth Games were great. It's funny, Birmingham as a city, which sits in the Midlands. When you think of England, I think of London, and then I make the trip up to the north. Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds. I never think of, about stopping in the Midlands. It, Birmingham gets a bad rap, so it was sort of... Uh, depicted to me as a dour city. The one person who didn't was Supercoach Bennett. He said, "Oh, I quite like uh, Birmingham. I was there with the England team." He said, "It's quite quite a pretty city. A lot of it is." Mm. I, and and it just, but the people were friendly, uh, really, really accommodating. There's a really good vibe with the Commonwealth Games. Um, I was pre- pleasantly surprised with how good the Com Games were. Mm. The athletics was the highlight. 
Um, the Lawn Bowls was also a highlight. Oh, how good was well, uh, that? Well, yeah. that, that, uh, so that was out at Leamington Spa, which is quite a well-to-do area. But I get, kept getting told about the pub right adjacent to the uh, to where the Lawn Bowls was. And so all the players would have the morning session and then they'd go and have a few pints and a burger and then go and play for medals in the afternoon. How good. And the burgers were made, the meat from the burgers were made from the same place where the Queen gets her meat. <laughs> Fact. Where's that? <laughs> it's a butcher's. Okay, sorry. Um, com games, athletes. Your favourite athlete to interview? Ooh, uh, I interviewed these athletes from a little island called Tuvalu, which is uh, out in the south South Pacific, about two thousand k's off Fiji. Um, it's a it's a it's an nine uh, archipelago of nine uh, islands. Um, with a population of 10,000 people. People keep – I wrote the story about like, they, where climate change is real, where when there's a high tide, they have to walk. They can't drive to the gym. They've got to walk through water to get to the wow. gym. They had five five athletes, and one of them was a boxer who was just grateful for to be interviewed. Um, and to, yeah, so hearing their stories were quite quite good. That was That was one of the highlights for me. The closing ceremony was unbelievable. How good is Aussie? Aussie? So Aussie comes out. So they had UB40. They had Musical Youth. Um, uh, and then Dexy Midnight Runners. Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah, it was, and they all sounded sensational. Mm. And then no one knew that Aussie was going to come out. I actually had said to a mate walking in, I said, imagine if uh, Black Sabbath played the last song. That's what happened. happened. And it came out. And he, and he sort of crawled out. And everyone <laughs> sort of went wild. And then... Sounded pitch perfect throughout the whole thing, and then right at the end of singing "Paranoid," he goes "Birmingham," and then walks off. <laughs> <laughs> he is so good, it is sensational. So good. Yeah, now, really, really good sort of end to a great couple of weeks. Just about best place I've been to, uh, Madrid. Mm. What a what a incredible city! Oh, so we I then went to Barcelona, Madrid, and then San Sebastian. Madrid was unlike anything I've been to. It's um, and the, it, Europe's heaving at the moment. There's just everyone's the out rebound. and about, yeah. The rebound and there's like people of, and it's summer. It was stinking hot in Madrid, but just that architecture and, um, and they, I don't know. It's just that part of the world. They 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 work to live, not live to work. Like we seem to, in this part of the gonna, of the world. He's going to write that. Write that down. <laughs> Which to me translates to drinking at three a.m. in the morning. Absolutely, that's they, the great thing about being away. When I. We went to Japan a few years ago, and I found myself at 10 a.m. in the morning drinking in the bath. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I, I, I didn't quite I, do that. I, 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 had, in, I had some tails. I had some tails, but. <laughs> I, I, I was sitting there, and I did that with a can in the bath, and Trish goes, please tell me not drinking in the bath. I said, babe, we're in holidays. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. San Sebastian. Now, that was my highlight. You've been there, yeah? No, haven't been oh, to San Sebastian. Oh, I thought Sebastian. you had been there. No, no. 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 No, so it was less hectic than Madrid, but so they've got the old city on this sort of point, and to the left is the bay, um, and then to the right is the there's a canal, and then there's the beach. But it was it was their summer, and they had like the this San Sebastian festival, so they had DJs and bands heaving every night. But in the old town, <coughs> in the old town, they have this, so they put like like little pinchos they're called. They're like little oh, yes. little like bits of bread with like um with chorizo or prawn or cheese or whatever on it and you go from 
bar to bar and you have a beer and you have pinchos. So, um, and everything kicks off so late. So I said, oh, my sister travelled with me uh, throughout Europe and I thought I'd be smart and say, look, eating isn't cheating. So let's just like have, go from bar to bar. We can have a beer oh, yeah. and a little bit of something to eat from, from bar to bar, thinking we wouldn't get drunk. So by about the 10th bar, I'd, uh, <laughs> I, right. I wasn't in a great way. So I've got a black eye. Yeah. So this is how smart I was about my drinking eating strategy. Staggered back into the hotel room, jumped on the bed, bounced off, hit my head on the side table. Wow. <laughs> and now I've got a black eye. Mate, it's un- <laughs> it won't go away. So I hope those footy show makeup artists are ready to roll them Sunday. It's unlike uh, that part of the world, like the Basques, the people. They're unlike any other people in the world. Their blood, like they have a different blood type than anyone else in the world. The greatest whalers in the world. Is that right? Yeah, they, 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 there's evidence that they whaled back in the day Great, the great uh, Southern Ocean. They came that far. Wow. They found bones in northern Australia that has Basque genetics that are like almost 1,000 years old. The thing that I, couldn't, that I got out of it was like, um, I've been to Barcelona many times, but that's about it with Spain. Just how different the three... The three cities were mm. so just Bas- uh, so Catalonian to 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 being yeah. in Madrid, then to being in um, being in San Sebastian. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? like they, they're three. They they could be really three, three different, different countries. countries. That's how it felt. Yeah, yeah. it was a long time. The Catalonians now trying to get independence. Once upon a time, it was Basques, and there was that you know lot of well, I'd like to bring the, bring it down, but there was a lot of terrorism from ETA, the Basque separatists right, okay. trying to. But anyway, that's a highlight, <laughs> highlight of the trip. Oh, God. It would, would definitely be the time in San Sebastian. That said, Soho in London it's this fun. time of year was quite fun. Well, Webby, I'm jealous. Beak you're heading over there soon. Yeah, end of, the, there. end of this year. Oh, minimum man. six weeks. May turn into two months to even three months. See how we go. Well, we're going to take a break a little bit later. Liam Alexander with Movie of the Week, which is Tropic Thunder. Yes, and it is time to rev it up, Maestro. Oh yeah, test rider Harley Davidson and Harley Heavy, heaven, heavy, heavy, heavy. Even if you're heavy, get on there. Black Town <laughs> and Tempe, good people at Tempe. We had an outside broadcast, terrific showroom there. Uh, ben, you've got something for us today. A little unsavoury, but nonetheless Un- unsavoury. One minute we're talking about can't make eye contact in a pub in Sydney. Whilst this is my revving up, a football team in Melbourne, uh, Mad Monday celebrations performing sex acts on each other in a pub in broad daylight. Oh. Boys, rev it up, you know, and also rev it up to the, the wife of one of these players that left him for doing this sex act. What's the matter with her? Oh, it mate. sounds like they I need to rev it down. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Keep, it, <laughs> keep, it, keep it clean, get nude, but you don't need to do that whole thing. You know, oh, speak for yourself. Yeah. We'll take a break. Uh, after the break, Storm versus Roosters. Yes, brought to you by Master Builders Association of Victoria. Upskill with the Master Builders Qualification Today, uh, John's on Friday, and today I've written about uh, Brandon Smith. But firstly, Storm versus Roosters. Storm win, um, definite top four, chance top two. Roosters win, book a uh, final spot. Lose, may have to beat the Bunnies in the last round at the New Allianz Stadium to make the finals, which would make that just one of the one of the biggest games in that rivalry, particularly both. Both sides are hanging by a thread. A ding-dong battle. It would be a ding-dong battle. Uh, but I've written about uh, Brandon Smith, uh, Webby. 
Beak, the last two weeks, he has been, I think, two of the best games I've seen him play, Brandon. Mm, absolutely. He's just a powerhouse. And <clears throat> for the Storm, it must be bittersweet because you just cannot replace Brandon. A player like that and a personality like Brandon Smith, what a loss he's going to be for next year. What's your assessment of his form throughout the season? Uh, I thought he was underdone for mm. most of the year. Um, talking to, I spoke to Frank Panisi about it. I said the last two weeks, I said he has been amazing. And Brandon, the turning point in his season was the suspension. He said he he went in after the game. He was shattered. He knew he was in lots of trouble. Um, he said I've let the team down. And mate, he went in and actually apologised. Apologised to the team, then walked in, apologised to the referee for no other reason that he was genuinely sorry. Mm. He said that like he felt <clears throat> he wasn't doing it to try to get off. He just said, uh, "Yeah, he was." But and what? But the the crucial thing was that the moment, the Monday after when they returned to training, from that moment until he started training with the side again for the next two and a half weeks, he just absolutely just hammered himself mm. in training. They said they've never seen him train so hard. And so intense, he's lost weight. You know, while talking to me, you know, while the they were pouring through the video, he was just out there pouring in sweat. He was just he just worked his ass off, and uh, he said to the players that he was going to repay them, and he's doing that. Mm. Oh, seriously, it's it's such a you're right. It's this bittersweet moment for the Storm. They had this incredible year when all the negotiations were happening. I'm sure the Storm kind of sat back and said, okay. Tough to lose him, but look how good our roster is. Then we come into this year, and the time when they needed someone, anyone, to give them energy, it was the cheese. They'd lost four or so on the trot. Cheese comes back in, and I, I honestly, I think Storm might be sitting there going, you know what, mate, could we chase a bit harder to keep him mm. at, the, at the Storm? And or, It's just, he's been absolutely incredible. And often we get these really tough little fellas, and they don't have the same explosiveness to match their toughness. He's the rare mix of both he yeah. has the explosiveness to match his toughness do you know watching him beat the last couple of weeks and webby mate the ferocity that he's taken the ball up mm. uh, against the gold coast and particularly against penrith when they won that game 16 0 he was hitting the line that hard just even over the broadcast you could hear the thud oh, because before i went away there was some, some games where he wasn't like that and uh, no. wasn't like what I, what you're used to from him this the, the this decision to go to the Roosters, it was, it was, it's been acrimonious with the Storm as much as they want to paint it otherwise. So um, I think it says a lot about him and I think his relationship with Craig Bellamy. Spot on. That he's, that he's become, that he's come good at the part of the season when he has to. But it, it, wasn't a, it hasn't been a pleasant um, departure. No, it hasn't been. But as you said before, Weeby, I think it says a lot about the club and Bellamy and Brandon. I used to say that, he, that he's playing the type of football he is now and the fact that he stayed at the club. When it first happened, when they had the um, problematic uh, off-season, which included that big one, him signing with a bit of rivals, at that point, I thought I was like, I see this every year. I know how this ends. Yeah. Um, club and player um, blue. Um, another club comes calling. Player says, I'm not happy. I want to release club goes, well, you don't want to keep a player who doesn't want to be here. It's over. Never happened with Brandon. Mm, they just got on with it. I, I tell you what, I reckon they've got such a – the way that they've structured it at Melbourne where Bellamy is so far removed from the contract negotiations yep. where he can just concentrate on football and his relationship with the players. So the players can 
be cranky with management and whoever with how things are playing out contract-wise but still put in for the coach. Mm. And that's a very rare dynamic at football clubs these days. And it also gives the coach a bit, not an out, but he can say, look, mate, it's just it's just out of my hands. Like, yeah, you know, I wanted exactly. you to stay. And I remember last year with Wayne Bennett when he kept coming out and saying, oh, I would have kept Reynolds, I would have kept Reynolds. Yeah. That was all to try to get them to a grand final, keep mm. him happy. I, hang on. and But now, aren't I reading that Wayne now is responsible for getting him to, Bro- the, to Brisbane? Yes. I mean, look, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Reportedly. He, he, well, he, yeah. he's doing everything, Wayne. Um <laughs> He's a KGL Fox, Wayne. He's, as I said in the show last night, he's been doing this shit from the 80s, mate. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's puppeteering. A couple of things about the Storm playing. It's, they, they've in, in a game where a lot of the players are around the same side, same build these days, they've created some beautiful mismatches, putting putting Nelson on the edge. And this come about, <clears throat> Nelson on the edge, almost by accident, because my young Blake Cooper came into the side and they knew that they were going to send Kikau at him so they said, we're going to jam. We're going to put a bodyguard alongside you in Nelson. And not only do that, but the opposite effect is that, mate, he found himself just against edge defenders mm. and he's just charging out of the top of them. So it's been that mismatch as far as size. On the reverse, the other mismatch has been through the middle. So whereas Nelson, it's big versus small. With Brandon Smith through the middle, it's short, stocky and powerful and fast against tired and tall, mm. if you know what I mean. And, and what's interesting about this, the irony is because Brandon, one of the reasons Brandon's left because he wants to play nine and Harry Grant's there. The best combination at the moment it, through the middle at Melbourne is Brandon Smith, Harry Grant. When You watch when Brandon runs, he just pokes through and Harry just scoops and goes. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, the storm. You're right, like it's this polar opposites. They've almost identified that. And I think I think Trent Robinson has identified this too because he actually carries two smaller blokes on the bench now. Mm. But... It's interesting that Harry Grant, he's probably the best ball running nine in the comp now. When Damien Cook used to be that, and you're yep. right, with, with with when you get Brandon Smith and he gets the ball, the problem with a short, stocky guy is the target area is so much harder to get a hold of him. So him finding, finding his front is almost sometimes easier than a big, tall, rangy guy. Mm. And Cheese does it better than anyone, seriously mm. better than anyone. I'm interested in the Roosters. So this is the yeah. first time that their first choice spine – of Tedesco, Walker, Kiri, and Verrills will play the Storm. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that they, – they seem like they're getting momentum at the right time of year. Correct? I wonder if they're – I reckon they'd be thinking at the moment, mm, probably did the wrong thing letting Verrills go. Mm. Like the one-two punch of uh, Smith and Verrills particularly because I know Brandon wants to play nine. Mm. But a little bit like Reuben Cotter of the Cowboys, who was a nine who's gone into running middle forward, Brandon – at the moment, is the best running middle forward in the game. Mm. And, you know, Verrill's in at nine, uh, or coming off the bench and hopping into nine, and Brandon going to a running forward could have been a great one-two combination. They've gone the other way. <laughs> the, the Okay, if it's Harry Grant and it's Brandon Smith through the middle, the middle third threat of the Roosters, and, and it was this combination that really set their compass, was Manu and Tedesco. And when Luke come back in the side, Luke Keery, I thought, okay, how are they going to do this? Because Manu, Manu was just driving a mad through the middle. Trent Robinson has just basically said to Manu, anytime you want, anytime you think something's on, every time you think that the opposition middle's a little tight, just drift inward. And he's just, he's done it really well, Manu. He and Tedesco, that's that's the key combination for the Roosters. Mm. Playing so great like, football. It seems like they play a lot of on-the-ball football. 
Mate, they're playing fast. Yeah. Look, what I've really noticed with the Roosters, I think at the start of the year they were unsure whether they just wanted to be like a big power game through the middle. And I think Robbo has basically decided that first 20 minutes I put my massive boppers on my lodge and my Hargreaves and we, we just – we just bash them through the middle. But then I bring on the little fellas mm. to take the game to an even higher pace. And I think a lot of teams are struggling to – when the bench does come on for the Roosters and Connor Watson comes on, mm. um, they're struggling to go with the pace through the middle with Manu, Teddy, and Watson. And Butcher. Yeah, too, Butcher as well. Leg speed. I, I'd always heard big raps about Matt Lodge. And up until this year, I didn't see it. I thought at the Broncos, I thought he I thought he looked cumbersome. I thought he was a liability in defence. He has been – He's been a blessing for the Roosters, Webby. He's mm. been outstanding. Yeah, that was my next question. Like, there was so much chatter about whether he was a Roosters type of player, and they'd sort of gone back on their own ethos about who they bring into the club. It sounds like he's been a raging success for them. It, it's interesting with Lodge. I agree with you. Like, I was of the mind of has rugby league passed that kind of I big agree. front rower? Totally agree with you. And he's just come out this year and proven that no, he actually, there is still a space in the game for a big, big front rower that gets through the tough yards. And he's been incredible for the Roosters. Uh, what do you think, boys? Um, I think Roosters will be slightly more desperate than the Storm, but toughest road trip in the last 15, 20 years in the game, Melbourne and Melbourne. What are we thinking? My, well, just, I haven't watched a lot of football um, mm. in the last month, but my, I, the feeling I got, I'm getting, is that the Roosters are really coming good at the right time of year. I reckon at 235, they're, they're a good bet. Mm. Yeah, I'm going Roosters. I just think the momentum they've brought into this game, but also the desperation they'll be playing with will just be just be enough to get them across the line. In saying that, if if Melbourne can manage to complete at a high rate, they're almost impossible to beat. Like Because mm. Harry Grant is... I. I He's just so good in so many areas. Like, okay, yeah, he can fatigue a little bit, but his damage around the ruck, it is, it is when you're watching it as an opposition or like when he was playing the Broncos, every time he gets the ball, you're like, oh, there's nearly going to be a try. And I just think that every other hooker in the game at the moment in regards to that, he's just out and out the best. What about, uh, like there's certain players in the game that you describe as can't miss. I remember Gus saying about Nathan Cleary. They said, he said, got the football intelligence, but he's just made of the right stuff. Same with Harry Grant. Mm. You just look at him when he came into grade and you just go, earthy bloke, a lot of integrity, really talented, can't miss. Mm. Tough as nails. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, Tropic Thunder next. Yes, and it is time for Movie of the Week. Now, last week, we ventured into the Wild West with Unforgiven. Today, we're in the jungles of Southeast Asia with Ben Stiller's Tropic Thunder. It's me, Tug! It's me, Tug. That's right! Now, Tug who? Tug who? I don't know. Who are you? Me? I know who I am! I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude! What? You a dude that don't know what duty he is. <laughs> or are you a dude who has no idea what duty he is and claims to know what duty he is? I know what dude I am. Yes, and we bring in Liam Alexander. Liam, how you doing, man? Morning, guys. How you going? Liam, we're going good. Now, I'm going to start with the question, which probably mm. would normally be the very last question before we tip into the break, because the next break is going to be movie, movies or scenes that could be made in 2022. Could this movie be made in 2022? <laughs> Oh, I definitely don't think it could be made. I don't even think it could have been made five years after it came out in 2008. I think it, it's like it pushed the boundaries then and certainly now in 
in the landscape we live in. I don't, I, yeah, there's no chance it could have been made. I reckon the, I mean the the Robert Downey Jr. one, but I tell you the one, uh, you know that instance. But the one that I reckon is much worse than that was Ben Stiller's character, Simple Jack. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the whole the. And that becomes like the third act of the movie. He needs to reprise that character for the the villagers because that's the only movie they've ever seen. And I reckon for sure that's probably the more um, problematic aspect of the movie. I reckon. Uh, Liam, for people that haven't seen it, uh, the plot. <laughs> yeah, so the the movie follows a group of um, prima donna actors making a Vietnam War film. Their director Steve Coogan is sort of frustrated with their performances and how fake it's feeling. So he he decides to drop them in the middle of the jungle to try to get some authenticity in their in their performances. Things go wrong very quickly, though, after Coogan steps on a landmine. And now they're basically forced to rely on their acting skills in order to um, survive the real danger, basically. Is, was it a Robert Downey Jr.? He's so well-respected now across the board yeah. in regards to all of his performances. But has this been something that people try to bring up to, I guess, cancel him now, even though he's now one of the biggest superstars in the world? Yeah, I think I will. There was a Joe Rogan interview with um, Downey Jr. maybe last year, and Joe Rogan tries to bring it up a couple of times, and Downey sort of keeps shutting him down because he doesn't even want to address it. But he didn't seem too concerned about it. He said at the time... He had his own reservations about doing it, but he really liked the script. And it, it's sort of commenting on actors willing to do that. It's not really, it's not doing it in a bad way, I don't think. I think, but yeah, I, I definitely think RDJ, he doesn't really want to talk about it uh, anytime these days. Any, Ben, Liam, uh, quirky things in the making of this film? Well, just, just on the character Robert Downey Jr. plays, Kirk Lazarus, he based it on three actors. He said uh, Russell Crowe, Daniel Day-Lewis, with a little bit of Colin Farrell. That's a, so that's there a you go. potent mix. That's a... Yeah, the method, the method trilogy there. The guys like, um, but apparently Paramount at the end of it, um, you know, we're talking about obviously that, that character and being controversial and stuff. Paramount, the movie company, actually put Downey forward for a, a best actor. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, well, he was, yeah. Um, to show you how much times have changed, Downey Jr. was actually nominated for an Academy Award that year for this movie. He lost to um to Heath Ledger, but Downey was like the Academy nominated him for for this movie. But there was controversy as well. Sorry, Webby, yeah. Sarah Silverstone about Tom Cruise's character too, Liam. Wasn't is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think well, Cruise's character. It's funny how. He didn't actually exist when the movie was written, but uh, Ben Stiller wanted him to play the Matthew McConaughey role, which was the agent. And Cruz said, well, where's the studio head? So he came up with that character, said he wanted fat hands and was going to dance. But I think Sarah Silver, yeah, I think, I think she said there might have been some uh, anti-Semitism in there somewhere. Yeah, I, didn't, it, I didn't read too much into that. But, is it maybe because it cuts yeah. a little too close to the bone? Right. Okay. Think, yeah, studio heads. Maybe so. oh, really uh, just yeah. too close. It, was, it was, must have been risque for uh, Robert Downey Jr. because it was a. It's, so 08 was sort of his rebirth, wasn't it? I think yeah. Iron Man was yeah, the first Iron Man year, was the so, big one, the comeback. Yeah. Mm. How, how was it received, Liam? Yeah, at the time it was actually received really well for a comedy. Um, our man Roger Ebert gave it three and a half out of four. He said it was. He was like crying with laughter throughout it. But then other <laughs> other critics obviously said um 
uh, one in particular said it was watch, watching Tropic Thunder is like getting mugged by a clown. <laughs> so, Sorry, yeah, I think <laughs> is that a bad thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It sounds all right. The clown. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, how'd it go? Make a decent profit. Yeah, well, for a comedy as well, the budget was like it's a really well. Ben Stiller directed it. It was made for ninety-two million, which. Uh, like today, you would never be able to get a comedy made for that amount of money, and it grossed about two hundred million, so it doubled its money. But it, it's a big budget; it's a big budget comedy movie. I'd assume also it had quite like long-lasting legs in regards to people rewatching it, streaming, buying DVDs, all that kind of stuff. Oh, hundred percent. I feel like it, it, I think if you ask people these days, what are some of the best comedies? I think in the in terms of modern comedies as well. I think there's that upper echelon with Hangover, and I think I think Tropic Thunder sort of sits up there as well. I think a lot of people love this movie. I think the cast: so Ben Stiller, Robert Downey Jr., Jack Black, Tom Cruise, Steve Coogan. I love Steve Coogan, by the mm. way. Nick Nolte's in it. Danny McBride, Bill Hader, Matthew McConaughey. It just goes on and on. Guys, where do we sit on Jack Black? Oh, <laughs> old stuff good. Not so much new stuff. Mm. I've never been. I, I don't yeah, find him yeah. funny. I can I can copy him sometimes, not all the time. Yeah. So School of Rock loved him. In yeah, School I loved him. Yeah. School of yeah. Rock. Yeah, 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 that's a great movie. But yeah. Uh, yeah, if too too much Jack Black and it's what about King Kong? Got that stuff oh, that movie. Nah. Bludger. Oh, it was so a, just a huge job. turd, the unflushable turd. <laughs> well, the Liam, ape wasn't very good in it either. Nah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, Liam Jack Black. I find him pretty good. I, same as you guys, School of Rock. I think that's one of his best because he's very earnest in that movie. I think when he goes a bit too far, it can become a bit overbearing. I think he's pretty good in this movie. He plays the, his character is like in a mid spiral because he has huge cocaine withdrawals. Yeah, yeah. He, he has some pretty good face acting in this movie. I think it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told. Uh, I was told. Where are Ben Stiller? Guys, but like Ben Stiller, oh, yeah. some of his early stuff is pretty awesome. But mm. I, I love Ben Stiller. I find every single thing he touches is is like the stuff he does behind the scenes, directing, producing is really smart choices. Like Liam yeah. and I have been discussing his new series that he doesn't star in, but Severance. Severance, incredible. It's really, it's a good, really good apple, yeah. And it's a great like the concept is so unique yeah. and also yeah. such a commentary on things we're all dealing with as like your work and real life and what's what's the where yeah. do you blur the line? It's incredible. And it's a really odd choice to make. Like it's yeah. so, so strange. It's, but Ben Stiller is sort of leading the charge. I love his old, actually. I love his old man too. Yeah. His old man was in Seinfeld. Yeah. Jerry's Jerry's father. <laughs> that was one of the greatest pieces of casting. I reckon television yeah. history. That was, yeah. The mother was pretty good at it. Too. Oh, she yeah. was good. Oh, yeah. And his, and his oh, performance. Sorry, though. Yeah. And Jerry Stiller in Zoolander is yes. all time. Georgie, what are you doing? I leave you for two minutes and suddenly you're treating yourself like an amusement park. Um, did every, Liam, did everyone get on on this film? Because, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, not big egos, but big, big characters. From what I understand, I, I, they, everyone, there were no dramas, but I think Ben Stiller, even though it's a comedy, he's a very, and we're just talking about Severance, he's a very serious filmmaker, and I think a lot of the actors on set were surprised about how seriously he takes his job as a director. So, like, there are instances where Jack Black thought he was being, being very uh, dictatorial on set, and they were making jokes about that. But that, that happens. I think they, I think... 
yeah, for such a big cast, they got along pretty well, I think. We, um, Benny, before we do that, it reminded me, we, myself and Joey once were asked to go to the set of, uh, of a very, of a TV show of which the host is meant to be a really fun guy. And I turned up there and he wasn't a fun guy. There was lots of yelling going on. And, uh, yeah, what I show could, is oh, this? I could guess. No, no, I can, I'm <laughs> not going to say, let's but just, I could guess. Let's just, <laughs> let's just leave it alone, okay? So uh, do the shapes. Just, just on what Liam was saying with, um, Stiller being a dictator and, you know, being very, um, serious with filmmaking, <laughs> there is, there is a great little fact here that, you know, how Platoon or any, any movie where they're military, they have to go into a boot camp. Oh, yep. you know? mm. So apparently, instead of doing, they said, "Oh, you have to do an intensive two-day boot camp, how to carry guns." Stiller said, "No, we're not going to do that," and just took everyone out for dinner instead. That's cool. That's all he did. I love that. Well, that that was how the original idea. So Ben Stiller came up with the idea for this movie while he was working on Empire of the Sun, which is a Spielberg movie in the eighties, mm. and he thought the whole idea that actors had to go to this boot camp to prepare or simulate real-life war scenarios. He thought it was actually pretty absurd because being an actor in a war film is like nothing like being a real soldier in war. So that that idea actually sparked the idea for the movie. Uh, Liam, guys, if you're enjoying it, do you think Tom Cruise, did this help <laughs> the Tom Cruise resurgence after the, the, the train wreck of the uh, Oprah interview when he was jumping up and down on the, on the lounge? I reckon for sure, because it proved that he didn't take himself too seriously either. Like, you can tell he's just having a ball making this movie. He's, he's probably the highlight of the movie for me. His character, Les Grossman, <laughs> has some of the funniest scenes in the movie. And I reckon publicly, I reckon that, that definitely came across just as well. just going to jot that down. Yeah. Is this Self-deprecation, because I take myself very seriously. <laughs> Is this, was this pre or post Peter Overton interview? Oh, that would uh, be... Yeah, post, I post. Think. Remember mm. that? Put your manners in, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Liam, uh, A plus to oh no no yeah. that's that's sound advice. Uh, out of a hundred oh, scale, <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it a ninety. Choppy Thunder. I reckon it's one of the great comedies. Same, I, I thought so too. Ninety, mate, ninety nine. Seriously, it can't get much better. How good? Big scene this one. This is yeah. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ninety. I I love it. It's got. It's really hard to pick out a uh, a scene from this movie to play at the start because mm. there's a lot of language. Yeah, I you know what I I sort of hold myself to higher standards. I'll go to seventy one. <laughs> uh, we'll take a uh, break. Uh, we're gonna after this we're gonna do five to one movies or scenes that couldn't be made in twenty twenty two. And a little bit later we've got sound advice of which we have got the Angels debut album face to face. Yes, and welcome back to the show. As I said before, we've got. Uh, we got uh, sound advice coming up uh, pretty soon. If you're an Angels fan, log in. Incredible album, Face to Face, with the Brewster Brothers and, of course, Doc Neeson. But we're doing five to one. Movies or scenes that could be made in 2022. Fellas, I'll lead off number five, uh, the scene in Croc Dundee. People say, well, they want Croc Dundee cancelled. I just think that's complete and utter bullshit. But uh, fair play, the, tr- the scene when the tra- transgender person was grabbed on the crutch by Crocodile Dundee, I think that's probably one that... We'll go to the rubbish bin. No, that yeah. you probably wouldn't do that. No. So I didn't do. I've got. I've got movies. Yeah, either or. Either or. Hell comes to Frogtown. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for Big reasons. Lab, it, yeah, for purely quality every scene, reasons. Every scene. Yeah. Big. Yeah, Tropic Thunder. There's no way. There's no way that gets made today, and it's a classic. No. It's so good. 
I, I disagree with Webby because Hell Comes to Frogtown is, is accepting. There's reptilian and human <laughs> sex scenes. True. I, I think it's accepting. I think it's modern. Yeah. Uh, my number... <laughs> or even <laughs> new... That, that, that was had a bit of Alan Jones way. Yeah. It? There you go. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, my, my number five is another Jack Black stinker, Shallow Howl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, mm. I think it's trying to be body positive, mm. but it's definitely not body yeah. positive. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't buy one of those candles from Gwyneth Paltrow. Ever <laughs> those things. That, what oh, was going gonna, on there? That was great. That's and, and George Costanza's in it with a little dog tail. Yeah, she is. I don't too. know what that that's, whole. That's. Yeah, that's someone's some been taking too much glue. acid. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Liam? Um, I had Steve Martin's 1979 film, The Jerk. Oh, so I love that yeah. film. It's such a good movie, but he plays a man that believes he was born a poor black child in Mississippi. Yeah. So I don't. I think if they tried to do it today, it just wouldn't. It wouldn't fly. But I think it's a great movie as well. It's actually Stanley Kubrick's one of his favorite movies, which you wouldn't think. But ah. yeah, yeah, the jerk. Uh, number four, Life of Brian, a movie I absolutely love, but. And again, the, the film Last Temptation of Christ was met with like death threats and things like that. Mm. So in this case, Life of Brian, taking the piss out of religion, I reckon the religious groups would go absolutely bunter. That was my number four too. Was it? But I've got reserves because yeah. there's quite a few movies that I think would be cancelled. And because there's lots of lists on the internet about this very topic. Dirty Dancing. Oh, no oh, one yeah. puts Baby in the corner. Yeah, nor... Be an older man picking up yeah, a younger she's, underage she's woman. Young, isn't yeah, she? Young underage, yeah. 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 No dirty dancing. No, swat. You can't even do any dirty staring anymore. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah. Not Club seventy seven. No, anyway. exactly. Rest in peace, old mate. I'll swazoo. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, this one's a tough one. I don't know if Rush Hour could be made today, just because some of the jokes are very racial mm. in, in nature. Uh, but I thought they were great, great show. Great movie. Yeah. But I don't think they could What's make it. What's his name? Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, my my four is a movie that came out in the eighties. Uh, it's called Soul Man. Oh yeah, oh, remember yeah. Soul Man? C. Thomas Howell. Oh yeah, yeah. man, yeah. C. Thomas Howell. I was what? trying to remember how do you how you say his name. Yeah. C. Thomas Howell. I don't know where he went to. C. Thomas Howell. He he was a giant actor. In fact, that that movie, uh, The Outsiders, which had I think the greatest cast. Just about in the history yeah. of cinema, and he was the major. Star. He was the big. He was the big biggie. He was the big cheese. He has popped up. I've seen him once in his latter years. He was in the TV show Animal Kingdom. And we got him by the line scene. Thomas Howell, we're the old Joe <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number four, Liam. Uh, for me, it was one we did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, American Psycho. I think, mm. even though the point of the movie is that it's a satire, I think just some of the some of the dialogue and some of the scenes in that movie. Um, and the way he treats women, I don't think it would definitely prevent it from getting made today. And I think even just being released in cinemas, I don't think there would have been a chance. I'd like to think this, my number three, could be made. I just think re- remove certain words. Blazing Saddles. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I had that on my list too. Yeah. 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 What, Got, what part? Yeah. <laughs> the, yes. The baked beans thing could get through. That would get yeah. The rest, yeah. That's probably it. not. Yeah. That's about it. Yes. Uh, yep. So I've sort of grouped these these two into one. Revenge of the Nerds slash Porkies. Oh, <laughs> yes. Of the same genre in many ways. Yes, old meat, remember? Popping in the, <laughs> the glory hole scene. Where that's yeah, pretty full on. With Miss Mallbreaker. Remember, she was the, she was the PE teacher. 
Simpler times. Uh, white Chicks. I don't think that gets made today. No. Even though it's an absolute classic. Mm. An absolute classic. Uh, my number three, um, It's apparently this has been going on uh, people not liking uh, men tricking girls into having sex with them. So wedding crashes. Wouldn't oh. would it exist? I know I listened to a, a, a podcast about wedding crashes, and they all agreed that this this wouldn't get made these days because it's a thing. Yep. Things move quickly, don't they? Oh, yeah. oh. That, that was yeah. like two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. But talk, you know how things are getting cancelled. Like, so I find like the whole cancelling of Little Britain to be madness, diabolical. So you can't get that on Australian TV apparently anymore. Little no, Britain. That's oh, that's yeah that's. But that was only made a few years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, about 10 years. Yeah. Liam? For me, uh, similar to you guys, Woody Allen, Manhattan. Even if there was no controversy around Woody Allen as a person, I still think the movie would have uh, raised some eyebrows. I mean, he's in his 40s in the movie, and the character he's going out with is a 17-year-old high school girl. So Mm. I don't think uh, that age gap doesn't hold up today, I don't think. My number two, here's a clue. Hello, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not reckon they could make Mrs. Doubtfire oh, anymore? I just think people are so sensitive yeah, around the, tra- the trans I, thing. I, I just, I'd like to think it oh, could be because Robin Williams, he's one of his iconic roles. But you know, these days with sensitivities, there'd be, there would be a lot of people that come out and say that's disgusting, even though it's made in good mm. spirit. Okay. Well, Hello. Well, here's my. Well, this is my. I might as well say my number one now. Tootsie. With Dustin Hoffman. That's my number one as well. Oh, you couldn't yeah. do that, could you? No. There's no way you could make no, that movie. No. That's another level again on top of Mrs. Doubtfire. But again, made with in good goodwill. Good, yeah, yeah. Not, that's not to be nasty in any way, shape, or form, but mm. people want to see the nasty side yeah. of it. Mm. Um, mine is Bruno by Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh. <laughs> Hello, I'm Bruno. <laughs> I, mate, I thought it was hilarious, but there's no yeah. way that he could make that in today's climate. There's no way. Uh, you probably say the same thing for Borat. Either. Exactly. Well, yeah. some of the, some yeah. of the lines in there. Yes. Like some of the. But they're yeah. built. But they're built to get a reaction from people that are cancelling everything. So I, I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. You reckon that that's there to no, rub people the wrong but way? It, but it's a, it's a it's a satire of people who get offended by those. Correct. Things. So mm. I think it's yeah. they they that still exists. In so some you reckon circles. Bruno, if they were like pitching it today, they could get it done? Well, it's like he's. Well, it's like he. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I think he did. Oh, I think, yeah, when he when he did Sash Baron Cohen did This Is America, like mm. you know, there's stuff in that. Yes, maybe. My number two was anything Mel Brooks. He's he's been yeah. poor old Mel has been cancelled for stuff that fifty years ago was really acceptable, yeah. and like now you can't see any Mel Brooks and like Spaceballs. Spaceballs is really funny. Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I listened to a podcast the other day with, oh, just trying to think of his name, he's an iconic sort of late-night TV person called Hard Talk. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Oh, I'll think of it in a second. The podcast is called Club Random, and he was talking about that because, you know, he, he's done some stuff and they try to cancel him. And he, he says to people, you piece of shit. Hmm. He said, if, if, it was, if it was you 20 years ago, you'd be doing the same thing. Mm. Don't judge me. That's yeah. like Eddie Murphy in Raw. Yeah. yeah, you know, like yeah. he's and he, he won't apologise for it because it's what he did in the eighties. Yeah, everyone's a product of their time. Like, yeah. they yes, just really it's are. Right. As uh, Maestro just said, yeah, Bill Maher. So, yeah, Bill Maher. Yeah, and anyway, number two, Liam. Uh, for me, it was a few Farley Brothers movies I could have picked, but me, myself, and Irene. Mm. I think 
similar to how um, Ben Stiller's Simple Jack, I think making a comedy that sort of makes fun of a, a mental disorder probably wouldn't wouldn't fly today. But the scene where he tries to put the cow out of his misery as well, where it just won't die, and he yeah. ends up having to choke it to death, <laughs> I don't think that would be made either. I, I, again, on, on the podcast, Bill Marthing, he interviews Rob Schneider the other day. And Rob Schneider just goes, oh, they're talking about the cancel culture. And he goes, "Can you believe, Bill?" He said, "The problem is we're making we're we're trying to make the world so much better, but we're just making it worse." Hundred mm, percent. Mm. Number one, Tootsie. Uh, I was going to do Mrs. Dalfour. Hello, but nah, Tootsie. <laughs> yeah. I had Tootsie too. Yeah. Oh, this is going to this is a bit left field, boys. It's a bit left field, but I don't think the Last Samurai could be made today. Cultural, no. cultural appropriation. Yeah, cultural there, appropriation. There you go, Liam. And I love your... that show. I love oh, that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. You and Liam are the only two, so that's really good. <laughs> I, I, I love that movie. I, I talk about this to people all the time. It is so Tom Cruise to put yourself in like, you know, 12th century Japan and like the last scene at the end there where he's riding the horse and there's like a thousand people sh- trying to f- – they're firing bullets at him, but they all miss or they're bouncing off him. What, what about when he played the Nazi with the, with the American accent? Oh, yeah. What was that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That was a, Valkyrie. Oh, that was a, yeah, Valkyrie. Valkyrie. That was a stinker too. Oh, it was. Oh, you hack. Uh, my number one, Webby said it, putting, putting cameras in a girl's dorm is unacceptable even – the standards back then, Revenge of the Nerds, would not be made. That's <laughs> right. It's a shame because we miss out on great characters like Booger. Booger, and yeah. Booger. Yeah, Booger. Booger was a fun guy. An ogre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Lamar. Lamar. Um, <laughs> Liam, number one? Um, for me, I know it gets brought up a lot about the old James Bond films, and sometimes I agree and disagree, but I don't think I can disagree because you only live twice. There's a scene where... Sean Connery as James Bond has to go undercover and pretends to be Japanese by wearing artificial eyelids and a toupee. <laughs> I don't think that could be made today. I can imagine him going, Arigato. <laughs> I'll tell you one that couldn't be made. Battlefield Earth, because, mate, you talk about turds that can't be flushed. <laughs> Give it 10 goes. Liam, good on you, mate. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. There he goes, Liam Alexander. Uh, where he goes, no one knows, but he appears every Friday, guys, at around 10.30. We'll take a break. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of big games this weekend. Yes, welcome back to Morning Glory. Sound advice coming up pretty soon. But, uh, boys, two games uh, this round of huge importance. First of all, South Sydney up against the Cowboys. Cowboys pushing for a top-two spot, which will give them a home final. The Bunnies, well, they're going to win this game. Otherwise, they... Uh, they may go into next week against their arch rivals with the opening of Valiant Stadium, having to win to make the finals. Mm, really, really good games. I mean, what I have loved about this season, and we've got to give the game credit where credit is due, this final run in, yes, okay, the bottom eight sides, you know, most of them are out, but this top eight is so interesting. It's so interesting, and I think last year, by the time this it rolled around, we knew Penrith were going to be in the grand final. It was almost a done deal that they'd win it, whereas I think that this top eight at the moment, it is just anyone's game, and I think on the weekend, Cowboys, Rabbitohs, some may say Rabbitohs are more desperate, and yeah, you could you could argue that, but I'd also argue Cowboys playing for a home finals. Huge. They could go, they could, if they come second, then they could play at home in their first game. That's one game, win away from a prelim, and then they have a prelim. Like, playing in Townsville is a, a much different task than playing in Sydney. It seems obvious, so but different. it's like the weather, the heat, everything. How, how long is Deedon out for? Uh, 
they're saying back first week of the finals. Okay. Anticipate. How big a loss do you think he is? Drinkwater's obviously a quality player who can who's who's versatile. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, look, it is a big loss, no doubt about it, because he and Townshead uh, counter each other very well. Mm. Dean's essentially a runner. Um, um, Chad steers the side around the park. Chad's had 21 tries this year, number two. Drinkwater's had 19. He ranks number six amongst all the playmakers. Mm. It, all, it all depends on Drinkwater's defence. Because that's what Dearden has better than Scotty Drinkwater is his ability to defend. He's a great, one of the best defensive subs in the comp. Drinkwater, the reason why he didn't get that spot initially is because of his defense. If he can come out and defend well, mm. they definitely lose something without Dearden, but it's going to be help them a lot. Just quickly, boys, who wins? Uh, I think South's more desperate. Yeah, I, I, I think South's. I just, I just look, I, I look at Latrell and those guys and... And Cody Walker's just starting to hit his, hit his straps. Mm. Be a great game. We'll take a, uh, a break. Uh, we've got sound advice coming up pretty soon. Yeah, brought to you by Top Dollar. Top Dollar? Top, top Dollar. Metal recyclers. Visit topdollar.com.au. Every kilo, every time at a fair price for over 20 years. Top Dollar. Metal recyclers. That was my best Larry Emder impersonation. Oh, uh, um, was. Price is wrong. Uh, ben, you want to chip in with this one? Yeah, bigger and better this week. My. Beloved Manly Seagulls, mm. this is an impassioned plea. Please, mm. please turn up. Last week was really hard because my brother-in-law, being a Sharks man, Ooh. I cop texts, you know, being offensive towards my down-and-out Manly boys. Mm. So come back bigger, guys. Yeah. Come how's, back stronger. How's, how's Des going? How are the press conferences? Oh. Um, he, he's holding up okay, Des. He handled him very, very good around the... Pride jersey. Yeah, I, I saw those conferences. They was yeah, he very was very strong. And um, they're talking about, oh, Des isn't shaky ground. Mate, it takes a manly person to coach manly. And if they get rid of Des, right, who are you going to put in? Spud Carroll. Spud. Oh, <laughs> well. It'll be fun. You've got my blessing. Uh, we'll take a break after the break. Slice of Denon. Yes, and uh, i tell you what, Father's Day coming up here after a uh, Father's Day present. We've got something special from uh, Chemist Warehouse letting us... Uh, Know what's uh, going on there. Mm. Uh, lots of good stuff there. VB, men grooming kit. A VB that. grooming kit? Yeah, mm. like the, the facials and the um, the sprays yeah. and perfumes. Still City are one too, I think. Um, now, why, that's why Maddie What, smells, VB have a fragrance? That's mm. why, yeah. This is why Maddie always smells a beer, because of um, oh, Still yeah. City. VB. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Still that's, City, sorry. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Yeah. Drinking in the bath in uh, <laughs> Tokyo. Okay, <laughs> it's time for Slice of Dannon. Darren, who'd you, uh, what do you got for us today, mate? Uh, I sat down a bit ago, uh, chat with Chad Townsend, and it's just such an interesting story. You know, when he signed with the, the Cowboys, I, you couldn't find a person backing it. Honestly, there oh, no. weren't very many people backing it. I personally thought it was what they needed, but it's it just the noise around it was so negative, and he has turned this club around and been exactly what they've needed. And I guess I just pulled a snippet from it, showing his kind of mindset and the Cowboys representing that mindset so, so well uh, this season. The biggest thing that I sort of found as a youngster, like, you know, someone who was not 18, like, you know, I guess 15 to 18, was, um, you know, going through high school and surrounding myself with good people. And, and a lot of my mates, like, still wanted to play footy and were trying to play footy then. But mm. then there was a few of them who, who weren't, and they were obviously you know, experimenting with different things. And mm. at that age, it can, you know, it can go either way. Like Absolutely. It's, it's very, very dangerous. And, um, 
you know, for me, I was, I was very focused in what I wanted to do. I was laser focused. Mm. I felt, you know, looking back, my my work ethic I got from my, my old man who's um, worked really hard when we were younger. Um, and that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to outwork anyone. I wanted to, you know, while I, I felt like at the rep level, like that New South Wales top tier in my age group, there were kids who were, I guess, scouted probably higher than I was. I still felt like if I could outwork them, that I could overtake them. Mm. And I end up, I did end up doing that. Okay. And those guys didn't make NRL and, mm. and I did. And they were probably better than me when we were 14, 15, 16. Yeah. He, um, I tell you, it's interesting, Beak, because now let me just get his career right. Sharks, Warriors, Sharks, mm-hmm. Cowboys. Interesting. When, it's like every time he's under the pump, he delivers. So Warriors, when he went there, everyone went, oh, really? The Warriors? I thought he played really good football there. So when he went back to the Sharks, I, I commentated in a game in 2016, the year they won the comp, and it was a semifinal they played Canberra. And it was you know, slippery conditions down there. And he, he just, he was having a really tough night. And he got dragged. Um, they put Jack Bird into to six. And I thought, oh, yeah, how's he going to bounce back? For the rest of that final series, he was outstanding. Mm. And, you know, they win the competition. It, I'm, I'm, look, I'm like most other people. When the Cowboys signed him, I went, yeah, Cowboys, a side who's going to struggle to get out of the bottom four. Oh, he's got, you know, him and Tommy did, and they're very sort of similar players, how I viewed it at that time. I don't know if this is going to work, but he's been. And, and it was the money. It was 650 So I think I think that was yeah. the thing people were most surprised about. Mm. Why would they uh, give up so much of their cap on Chad Townsend at, that, at this stage of his career? But for mine, the way that he's played just shows you the value in the current game of a quality half. Quality or, half. Or a solid half. Oh, yeah. Interview. Yeah. Well, how would you describe him as a player? Look, he's an incredible player. Really <laughs> steady. Really yes. steady. Yeah, um, some would say he's the missionary position. Yes. Of halves. Yes. Yeah. But uh, what, what I love about him. What? The what was that? The missionary position of halves, which yeah. I actually love. I, I think missionary is underrated, but we can go down that later in the show. Yeah, yes, we can. Um, Let's not go down. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, all jokes aside, we see guys like Sammy Walker, who would be a different position if he was coming through, but. He's exciting. He's flair. He's everything. Try assist. And I just don't think guys like Chad Townsend get the appreciation they deserve. A good, solid rugby league player. But not only is he a good, solid rugby league player, he's a coach's man. Mm. And it is invaluable as a young, new coach to have a key coach's man in the squad that is relaying exactly Mm. what you want. Two things that really bore people these days in a YouTube generation of highlights. One is consistency. Which is of primary importance, but people these days, when you say someone's consistent, they go, "Oh, really?" And the other one is work, good old-fashioned work ethic. Yeah. And two people that really come to mind are Craig Johnston, the Liverpool champion, who when I speak, to, you know, when you talk to Jono, Jono was just went came in his mind. He said, "If I just outwork people relentlessly, I'm going to make it." Mm-hmm. The other one was a a a four hundred meter run or a hurdle. I'm just trying to remember. Debbie Flintoff King. She's a hurdler. Hurdler, yep. In the, I reckon four hundred meters hurdle would be the toughest, just toughest oh, event. Yeah. Laurie Lawrence, uh, swim coach, um, one of our greatest coaches when it comes to the Olympics. On Christmas Day, he went over to uh, Debbie's house, and her her husband F- Philip was there, and he walked in and said, um, 
all the kids are sitting there. They've got the presents and there's no Debbie. And he said, where's, where's Deb? And uh, the husband rolled her eyes and said, she's at the track training. Wow. So Laurie goes down to the track and he goes, Deb, Deb, look, it's Christmas Day. Give yourself a day off. Just go home. Your kids are waiting for you. And she said, Laurie, if there's one day of the year that my opponents aren't training, it's Christmas Day. This will buy, this will buy me one one-hundredth of a second. She won the gold medal in LA by one one hundredth of a second. What a great story! That's yeah. incredible. You can write that one. Down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Townsend, yeah, what he has brought to that Cowboys side is absolutely incredible. He deserves all the raps that he is getting, and I think it's almost inarguable now. He's a signing of the season. Inarguable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hines yeah. might be up there. Yeah, I think I think he and Nicker sit on. I think I think he has been the most. Uh, I think the biggest surprise packet mm. uh, from what we expected, what he's delivered. On that, isn't Nico? Isn't Nico Hines having a season? Amazing. It was always going to be tricky when you put the seven jersey on. There's always something about the seven. It's that maverick position that the six doesn't have quite the same pressure as the seven, even though they might be given the same role. And my thing with Nico, Nico's gift is his running game, and to be able to wear the seven and looked upon to steer the side around the park and maintain your running game, that was going to be tricky. But man, he's. Uh- been unreal. Aren't Cronulla having a season? Oh, like I know there was everyone expected them to go better under under um, Fitzy, but you know people were questioning the way that he got brought in, um, and and John Morris was pushed out at Cronulla. It was a pretty pretty brutal decision yeah. from the Sharks at the time, but Fitzy. but the way that but there was there were question marks over yeah. whether Craig Fitzgibbon could make the leap from assistant coach to head coach. And look at what they've done. Nico Hines, right player, right coach. Yeah. Um, and he just has that fire in him. You know, he had a pretty rough upbringing. You know, I'm, I'm sure there was a part of him last year that said, how good have I got to play to get a start here? And then he goes to the Sharks. Fitzgibbon backs him. It, what is so great about Hines as well is that he is truly a, a player that you can build a club around and make a, make a powerhouse club because the young kids are going to love him. He's very marketable. He has a, like, he has a story that is just so... Typical of of a battler finding his way all the way into first mm. grade, and I I think Hines for me is probably leader to win Dally M this season. The only reason mm. why I say Townsend is the best signing is because they came fourteenth last yeah, year, yeah, yes, and they've moved it. But Hines to win Dally M his first year, incredible, incredible stuff. I, I also think Dearden. I think that's an incredible story of what's happened yeah. with Dearden this yeah. year because, mm. and I remember I did this working on a story last year about the lack of halves, quality halves in the competition. How how Tom Dearden can go from one of you know, one of the one of the great up and coming halves of the Broncos hits some hits some, for want of a better way of describing this, some bad coaching um, mm, at, a, yep. at a club that's at a club at a club that isn't that isn't firing, and then the way that he has um, gone from uh, a player who whose career was probably almost on the scrap heap mm. to Origin uh, hero. Mm. Yeah. Pretty, that is some story. Webby, I interviewed um, Toddy Payton three, three, four weeks ago and asked him about Chad Townsend firstly. And I said, Chad Townsend, you know, how crucial a, play, a, a seven is, just what we're talking about. How much power do you give him? He said, I give him all the power. That's what you do, the playmaker. I said, okay, Tom Dearden, going to be the next Alfie Langer. Unfair. Then goes to the Broncos. They're, they're, they're struggling, having a horror year. He gets a lot of the blame. Unfair. And you take him to the Cowboys. I said, "What, what type of mental state was Tom Dearden at 
when he arrived at the Cowboys and he said he was a shell of a human. Mm. Wow. He said he just doubted everything he did. He said he was just, he said he had no confidence. He'd sit there and he'd chew his nails. And he said we've bit by bit got him back to what, what his potential was. That was, was me capable. from San Sebastian to London. <laughs> 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 Who's your Todd Payton then? Oh, oh, I'm looking for it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You were talking to him when you were laying on that leather couch <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Yeah. But, uh, Am I a bad person? Well, when you're talking about coach of the year, we just said too, Craig Fitzgibbon should be. He'll be in the running, but it's got to be Todd Payton. Yeah, mate. Yeah, and and it's just it's such a you know a guy like did, and I think very often and, and rightly so, we we look straight to players and say your form's bad, it's your fault. And look, mm. nine nine times out of ten, you could you could argue it is. But we very rarely look at the system that they're currently in. Like, for yeah. example, what, like, Dearden was getting hammered by the fans. He got let go from Brisbane. You know, Brisbane are the reason why Dearden were playing that pool because mm. we've seen evidence under a different system that seemed to appreciate Dearden maybe a little bit better and yep. have the right things for him. He's flourished. So, uh, like, I don't know when they're chopping about... it. They chopped and changed so much, the Broncos. Oh, last remember, they're their halves every week. Well, and... Here's one. Here's something for you, right? This says something about the state the Broncos are in. I text our producer um, uh, of the Sunday night, Johnny Clegg. Now, Johnny is a Northern Englishman. He's from Salford. He's a Salford fanatic. His dad's a Salford Reds zealot. He's a historian at the club. And I said to I said, Johnny, can I just ask you? I said, um, how has Brody Croft gone? He said, Matty, he's been absolutely outstanding. He said, in the last six to eight weeks, he's clearly been the best player in the Super League. They said they ran a poll the other day on who has been the best signing, who, who, who's been, who, who's better, um, Brodie Croft or Jackson Hastings, right? And they classed Jackson, Jackson Hastings mm. possibly the best import they've ever had. Mm. And that's it was a split vote. Yeah, wow. So it shows you his turnaround. Todd Payton is talking about Tommy Dearden. I asked him about it. I said, when you watch the State of Origin game, I said, did you get – how did it feel? Were you like a proud father watching people like Cotter and Nanai and, and Dearden and whatnot? And he said, um, he said there was a moment, he said, when Tommy got picked to go on the side, he said, I was a little concerned. I was concerned that it was going to, you know, burst his confidence bubble. And he said, but when he sort of heard that he cried and said, yep, I won't let you down. And he said, when he f- set up that first try and I knew he was going to be right, he said, I got really emotional because mm. I knew how far he'd come. Awesome. So, I mean, I love the cauldron, like Tommy did and oh. 12 months ago, not wanted by a Broncos side coming 14th. Then he's in Queensland, one of the most famous wins we've ever had, one of the most famous origins. A try assist, he's like first or second touch. Yeah. I, you know when I knew he was on, Tommy Dearden, when he ran out and the camera was on him and he was smiling. Yes. And I was like, the guts to be smiling in that, the strength that you've had to build. To be smiling at the moment is incredible. Are we still talking about the origin? Yeah. <laughs> Are we? He's gone from the basement to the penthouse, back to the basement again because he ruptured his chest. <laughs> and the basement might be the Hellfire Club. Uh, oh, uh, we'll oh, take oh, a oh. break. <laughs> Sound advice next. Whatever you bet on, take it to the next level. Gamble responsibly. And we got him on the line, Jared Timms from Neds. Timsy, good morning, mate. Good morning, Matty. Thank you for having me back. Oh, Tim, come on, mate. It's always a pleasure getting you out of the sauna. Uh, let's get into this. <laughs> now, three of the most important games of the season for many of these teams. Storms ver- Storm versus Roosters, Timsy, tonight. Now, this will be an absolute beauty. 
Just cannot wait for this one, Matty. Could very well prove to be the game of the season, given the recent form of these two. Currently, the Storm $1.62 favourites here at Neds. I thought maybe there was a bit of value about the Roosters, $2.30. Probably even more so backing them at $2 lines. They're set at four points. Now, Timsy, the Raiders are almost odds-on to make the finals now, as long as they win this one against Manly. Well and truly still a chance of making the finals. They're desperate to win these last two, the Raiders at home. The Nets bookies think they will this week as well. A dollar twenty two favourites. Virtually nothing to play for for the injury ravaged Seagulls. That's echoed in their four dollar twenty five quote, the line fourteen and a half points. Now bunnies and cowboys. Cowboys looking to uh, consolidate the top two spot. Yeah, plenty of top eight implications in this one, of course. The Bunnies still trying to stay in, like you've said there. The Cows trying to hold on to their top two spot. The Neds punters are actually pretty keen on the home side this week, Matty. They're into a dollar fifty favouritism now. The Cows have a really good record on the road this year, actually better than their home record. Maybe a bit of value on offer for them. $2.60, the line six and a half. Tim Z, appreciate your time. Go well, pal. Thanks, Matty. Good luck, punters. Yeah, that was Jared Timms from Neds. And remember, people gamble responsibly. Neds Same Game Multi is available on more sports than ever before. Take it to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yes, welcome back to uh, the show. It's Sound Advice Time. Now, last week we did one of Australia's uh, greatest ever albums, Midnight Oil, 10 to 1. Today, another classic, The Angels' 1978 debut album, Face to Face. There we go. Uh, take a long line, that iconic start. Uh, Doc Neeson, Johnny and Rick Brewster, Buzz Bidstrup, Chris Bailey, one of rock music's greatest rock bands, uh, started off in Adelaide. They started, boys, the Angels, as a folk band called the Moonshine Jug and String Band. Can you believe that? Gee, that's catchy. I know. And then what? when they called the, the Keystone Angels? Then they come the Keystone Angels. Um, mm. Keystone Angels, eventually the Angels, uh, on the... The urgings of George Young said, you know, it's just to be just to call yourselves the Angels. Now, this band was, you know, going along um, in Adelaide for a while, made the trip to Sydney, struggled for about 18 months or two years, did a concert, and there was a guy in the, in the audience called Bon Scott, saw them play, recommended them to the legend producers, George Young and Harry Vander, the great Vander and Young, and they just took it from there. One of the great icon, iconic bands. They are. And I love, I do love, I love the part I love of the story is how the ACD found them. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. There's a couple of things. What Vander and Young did, they said to he, he said to the Brewster brothers, "You have to have your unique sound." And it took them a lot of trial and error to find it. And eventually, what you hear with that song there, that that was that was the unique sound. But guys, like, have a look. so it's a debut album, and without doubt their greatest album. Here's the singles that were released all the hits and all of them became hits this and most albums you get two at the very most three. They had seven singles that released seven hit singles off this. After the Rain, Love Takes Care, Take a Long Line, Marseille, Be With You, I Ain't the One Coming Down. 
Wow. I mean, it's... And it was their second album, is that right? First album. It was their first album. First right. album. They released Am I Ever Going to See Your Face Again. That was that was released, but that was a sort of standalone. Right. Yeah. And that that's, was... Along, at the same that time was, as this, yeah? That was released... Just slightly before. Right. Yeah, because that was released two years after it originally came out in 1980 um, on the international version. Mm. And then, of course, the live version, which we all know so well. Oh, mm. indeed. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> the special lyrics. How was Doc's um, voice considered back then? Because that's, to me, that there is no voice that really sounds like Doc Neeson's it, voice. It's, when, when they first started as the Moonshine Jug and string, string Band, he was the bass guitarist. And when they were the Keystone Angels, he would play the bass and sing. And George Young goes, goes man, listen, it's just too much. Right, and then they brought in a guy, iconic guy called Chris Bailey. Uh, interesting little side bit. Uh, Graham Bidstrup, um, Buzz Bidstrup, he he was uh, drummer and, and Chris Bailey. Th- this band, the Angels, one of the things they were famous for was infighting. Like if you think the mm. Beatles had infighting, made these guys were literal. I'm not joking. Ten times more. There's a a documentary on YouTube called No Way Get F Off, mm. and it's it it shows them on a tour. And it is just relentless infighting. Um, about what? Just about, it was about you know, songwriting. It was about royalties. It was about song lists. Whatever they could argue about, they just did. It was constant <laughs> friction. At one point, it was interesting. He, he's a little bit, I think, unknown about Australian music. Was Bidstrip and Chris Bailey at one point left the band and formed their own band, which, which was Kanga Jang. Oh, I love Ganga Jane. And you think, is there two sounds that couldn't be any more They're different? Very, very... The Angels to Ganga Jane. Mm. Um, the, the album was produced by Mark Opitz. You know, he did Jimmy Barnes, Dragon, Cold Chisel, Rose Tattoo, Noise Works, all the rest of it. And as I said before, it was a, just an absolute monster album. Yeah, well, it went four times platinum, sold 280,000 um, copies, which at that time, like we're talking 1978, would have been quite the haul. Interesting about Doc Neeson, right? When we talk about Doc, okay, we talk about his voice, had that iconic sound with his voice, but it was his stage presence. Last week, Webby, I posed the question, is Peter Garrett the greatest front man as far as performance and presence in Australian rock history? Yeah, undecided, Jimmy Barnes, maybe. Uh, uh, you had people like, of course, Michael Hutchins. But I just think when you go to a live gig, there was nothing better than Peter Garrett. Doc Neeson, to see the Angels live and watch his performance, it was very theatrical. And when you learn about the band, you understand that he he went to a drama teacher who was the most well-thought-of uh, drama teacher in, in Sydney and said, I need I need a persona. Mm. And he said, right out, why don't you do this? Why don't you get dr- dressed like almost like an old... English aristocrat with the puffy shirt and everything, and then song song by song, just basically get rid of the clothes. So all you do is end up bare chested with a towel around your neck, and that became that's his thing. That became that became his thing. His stick. Well, I, know, I know we always do this. We did it last week when we were talking Midnight Oil and you know great front men of Australian bands. Where did the Angels sit in best Australian bands of all time? Like because oh, for me, for there. me, they're sort of. I I missed the boat. They're before yeah, right, my generation. Mm. You know, they're obviously in your generation. Look, um, at the t- they they were very well thought of in Europe, mm-hmm. very well thought of in um, in America amongst bands. Not by the public. They had minor hits there, but they were very thought of in the music industry by by their peers. 
Uh, France in particular, the song Marseille, was a huge hit in France. Mm-hmm. Even when they go to France now, they'll, they'll play it. Ben, I'll say this as far as where they sit as a recording band. Uh, they, uh, top 20. Where they sit as a live band, top five. It's kind of like all the great Australian bands, isn't it? Midnight there Oil, is. live band. ACDC, live band. But it's band. almost that pub rock yes. genre, isn't what, it? What's interesting, Webby, is they go, right, what is, what is that sound? Is it rock? Is it punk? Mark Opitz, who produced the album, uh, he described it as sophisto-punk. Ooh. That's what it was, sophisto-punk. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. Here's where they were headed. The biggest mistake, and I've interviewed the Brewster brothers on this, and they concede to this day their greatest regret is that their first album, Face to Face, was produced by you know, Harry Vander and George Young, and it was done in Albert's studio and all those where all those iconic bands came through. After they released the first album, another record company, another producer, basically the promised them, I can get you, I can make you big in the States. I can make you huge in Europe. Harry and George were like, boys, not yet. You haven't perfected. Give it two years. Give it another two albums and, and we'll, we'll make you do the same path as ACDC. They got impatient and left. And they were never, ever the same band again. They Look, they were a great band, yeah. but they never, ever recreated that face-to-face album. They're the great live. Look, I've seen both of them and Midnight Oil live. They're different front men, you know. I, yeah. saw, Gar- I saw Midnight Oil earlier this year, and Garrett looked like he was still in his 20s. Still yeah. With that, that you know, very uh, unique style of dancing. But not Doc was... Oh, Doc was else. just raw. He, he was, it was interesting because their stage presence was so incredible that they would go to England and they'd go to America and it would be sold to these headline acts. Oh, there's this Australian band called The Angels. They're big down under. Why don't you get them as your support act? And they would actually have to get rid of them after about a month because they were so popular. The Kinks had them on their tour of America and Ray Davies, the lead singer of hated Doc Neeson so much and he did everything to sabotage his live performance oh just because they would blow the kinks wow. blow the kinks away. They said they would be getting encores by Kinks fans. And oh, the Kinks wow. had come on and you know by the end of the concert it was half full. Did they did they split? They split numerous times. Yeah, split numerous times. It sort of it was just such a when when you see oh, this documentary and read the book, it was just it was such an uneasy relationship. So much infighting. Uh, of course, these days, the passing of the great Doc Neeson, tragically. The lead singer, of course, Newcastle boy from Cardiff up there, Screaming Jets, um, Dave Gleeson. Dave Gleeson tours both with the Angels and the Screaming Jets. Fair to say he's, he's pretty busy. Still yeah. got a good voice. He's, he's still cranking when, when he first When he first took over um, as the Angels um, lead singer, Angels fans... Were in absolute, they were in disgust, and they were just giving it to him. They said, this will never work. And the first gig he did, big gig he did live, Angels fans went to Rick and Johnny Brewster and said, mate, this guy's great. It Was works. there not a, 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 an Instagram post of Doc Neeson and Joey at no. Origin it, 2? It was, no, it was myself, oh. Chief, uh, Glenn Pallister, and Doc Neeson uh, at a footy show, post-footy show once. Oh, right. And, and you should see... You should see Chief. Chief is, how would I say this? 
um, like you've never seen the chief before. Oh. Yes, yes. Very interesting. Uh, <laughs> okay. There you go. Sound advice. Uh, face-to-face. Look, Jack Johns couldn't join us today because he's got his training, training with the gulag uh, that is Newcastle Knights again. <laughs> but, uh, look, I give it an A+. plus. Just a great Australian album. We'll take a break. After the break, search and enjoy. Yes, hang around. Uh, in about 10 minutes, we're going to uh, discuss Father's Day with Chemist Warehouse. Uh, great savings every day. But uh, it's time for search and enjoy now. This is the break where the Prince of Pennant Hills uh, gives us uh, travel tips on locations, good, bad, and fugly. Um, based on his travel and work experience, last week we did Doha in the UAE. Ben, what do you got this week? Today I want to talk about uh, one of my favourite countries in the world, Ethiopia. It's a strange one, I know, mm. but it's one where I've literally had the best times of my life. Uh, Addis Ababa? Addis Ababa. Addis, yep, the capital, the heaving capital, um, which is surprisingly very, very modern for, um, you know, developing country mm. capital cities. It's sort of the hub of a lot of, um, you know, uh, like UN style organizations. They all go there. It's easy to get out of. And it's, um, yeah, it's a really cool city. Only the only country in Africa not to be colonized. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it still holds a rich heritage and history and they actually fought the Italians. They the the Italians tried to colonize it and they got rid of them. Can I ask yeah. how's the coffee? The coffee is fantastic. That, you, I th- I'm pretty sure it is the birthplace of coffee. Yeah, it is. It's a little there's a little place and we went through we were heading south. Um there's a place called Kaffa. And that is where um a I think I think the story goes a young shepherd boy found some berries and took it to the mm. and took it to the what are you going to say here, man? Uh, it's always the shepherds. Yeah, Even it's the, the shepherds. <laughs> yeah, well, they, he gave it. To, he gave it to the um, the the priests in the area, and they took it to Italy. And they and they sort of ground it up, and that's where coffee. That's what they say where coffee is. Yeah, but then they took it to Italy, correct? Correct. But this this is yeah. a, this is interesting. Thing. So when you drink coffee in Kaffa, you drink coffee mixed with tea. So the, Ethiop- minds, the Ethiopians Jeez. really mix stuff up. So you drink coffee with tea, and when you have a glass of wine, you mix it with uh, bourbon. Uh, no, beer. one second. No, uh, Moselle vodka, Coca Cola. Oh, oh what? what? Red, red wine and Coca Cola. I'm going to give that a, a go very typical. There you go. I've heard people doing this. Yeah, mm. red that's wine a, with Coca Cola. That's a real Ethiopian thing. Yeah. Now the thing we share in common with Ethiopia is. Um, they import, I believe, a lot of eucalyptus trees. They yep. say that you can smell. It's like you get the sense of Australia when you're in Addis yeah, Ababa. Yeah, you, you do get a lot of that around Africa in general. Like when you go through Rwanda, you sort of go, why, why does it feel like I'm driving through the Blue Mountains here? Because of the thick um, eucalyptus trees mm. that are everywhere. So, now, yeah. surrounded by some really problematic countries. So you've got Somalia. But the big one, Eritrea. Yeah. So Eritrea makes North Korea look like the United States. Yeah, it's it, it's it's bordering countries are not not friendly. Somalia, obviously, as you said, Somaliland, Eritrea, Sudan, South Sudan, wow. Kenya, but Eritrea, and northern Kenya. But Eritrea are under a dictatorship there, where people just cannot leave the country. No. They have basically no rights, and it's obviously a very barren country and. Civil war is rife and ethnic mm. cleansing is rife. Oh. And, oh. Yeah. yeah, and like you know, when when people think of Ethiopia, they think, oh, that's where the um, young kids, you know, that's where yeah. the starving people. And you know, yes, they were starving, but yes, that was a pol- that was a political, basically starvation. That was a civil war going on. Oh, so yeah. it wasn't just running out of food. The government at the time was saying, you're not getting food. Okay, so if you go to yeah. Turkey, 
um, Mustafa Ataturk, still a huge figure. Gabra Selassie, is he still the king of kings? Is he huge. still the man? Huge. Yeah. So he he's obviously massive. The other person that's also massive in Ethiopia, believe it or not, is Bob Marley. Yeah, so well, there's like a weird reggae scene that sort of exists in uh, Ethiopia. It's well, like there. Why were you there again? Can you just... I just went there with my, my wife and we went traveling. We went down to the southern, we spent a lot of time in the southern Ethiopia where the it's very tribal, very... Is um, it safe? Like, or do you feel unsafe or... Uh, no, it is, no, you know what? No, it is, I, I would consider it safe. Yeah. It's traveling in, you know, it's traveling in Africa, yeah. but um, it is, I consider it safe. Um, there were parts down south on the border. South Sudan, a lot of, you know, you get military escorts some places because of mm. banditry and things like wow. that. But it's still, it, you know, once you get in, once you get into the tribal areas, you save as houses. Um, the food is supposed to be incredible. The food is amazing. It's unlike anywhere else in the world. There are a few little Ethiopian um, restaurants in Sydney. Mm. Um, no doubt there's definitely some in Melbourne. Uh, if you have a chance to go to an Ethiopian restaurant, go Do it. straight away. There's There's like a... A weird foamy bread called injera that yeah, it has to be tried to be believed. It's incredible, mm. and you, everything it's like big trays, foods, curries, everything on on plates, and everyone gets in there and eats with their hands. No one would dare eat with a utensil. There's a uh, there's a place in Harlem we went to called Red Rooster. Not like the not the rooster <laughs> is calling. It was called Red Rooster, and it's owned by one of the world's best chefs, who's Ethiopian. Oh, and right, it's a yeah. mixture of Ethiopian food and like. Sort of grits and gravy, yeah, you know, like that typical yeah, 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 yeah. Southern American. Food. It's a real, a real, you know, you rip in Jerry, like it's served on the bread in Jerry. You rip it, you grab some curry, you mix it there, bang, 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 and everyone's sort of like you'll have like, um, you know, fifteen people sitting around, big trays of Jerry. This car, it's great, yeah. fantastic. What about uh, would you, if you had the opportunity, would you hop on a plane and go there tomorrow? Yes, one hundred percent. That's one of the countries I would go back to, time and time uh, again. Okay, would you? Could you live there for twelve months? Yes, I could. Yeah, right. Yep. Mm. Well, we we spent, like my wife and I spent probably on and off maybe two to three months there. Okay. Like, we're going to do other countries you've been to next week and the week after. Is this a new segment? I've been away. Yes. Yes. Rather than search and destroy, it's search and enjoy. Mm. Oh, I see what you've done there. Yeah. Yeah. We did a little sort of turn of phrase there. That's what, you know, I do. I come up with segment (laughs) names. Slice of Denon. What's up, Joey's nose. (laughs) Webster. Sorry, we're going to pump yours up a little bit. I know. Yeah. We've got to get a new... I mean, we get thinking of... I've got, I've got in mind new jingle, too. I like yeah. mine. Yeah, so do I. We didn't do it today. Yeah. Oh, we didn't. No, because yeah. we did the travel thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. This is our second travel segment. I'm still feeling like Katrina Roundtree. <laughs> <laughs> um, righto, Benny. Uh, what do you got for us next week? What are you thinking I next don't, week? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, come, up, I'll trouble, come up with something. Trouble genius. Maybe, maybe, maybe let's do Japan. Yes. Arigato. Gizamus. Gizamus. No, remember we, we actually have done Japan. Remember we were talking, you and I, we were, we were talking about Japan, Japan and Joey was here and oh. we're about 10 minutes in and Joey goes, are we on air? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's one of the great, he, that was I'll, early days of this show. I'll let you know he hasn't improved oh, okay. and his musings in ad breaks, is, mate, he's like Andrew Bolt Jr. <laughs> um, take a break. We're going to discuss Father's Day next. Yeah, don't forget we've got the uh, tips up next, but we're brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Father's Day, which is the greatest day of the year. Don't worry about Christmas or Easter. 
Um, mate, Father's Day is where it's at. And uh, what about this for a present? Get your VB for men grooming kit today for just fifty nine ninety nine from Chemist Warehouse. The male grooming range that's made, wait for this, people, made with real beer. That is so good. So if you're able to get, you have a few drinks and the wife goes, you've got beer in your breast? No, darling, it's the, it's the fragrance. Go on, you've earned it. And we've got Tony Basali, who's the managing partner of Chemist Warehouse. Tony, good to see you again. How are you holding up, mate? It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Now, the VB fragrance, all the, the whole kit, men, men's grooming kit, whose idea was this? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, they were approached. Uh, the idea came up a couple of years ago. So about two years ago, we had the VB fragrance start. Um, it's a bit of a citrusy, you know, sweet smell and, uh, it took off fantastically. So this has legged on since then. And now we've got the grooming, uh, essentials. I've, I've got it here. This is the body wash, which looks like a stubby of VB. <laughs> Absolutely. In a pump, uh, finally, beer in a pump action container. That is so good. Can I drink that? <laughs> no, you can't. Because <laughs> I've been drinking mouthwash. It's amazing because I, I always think sometimes mouthwash got alcohol in it. It's quite a nice taste, actually. So, um, yes. Have Matter you found... of fact, I've got it now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole idea was for to get rid of your grime after a hard day's work, ah. to relax after a hard day's work. Yeah, and I think with a shampoo, what do they say? To get your mane, clean your mane. Well, I don't have one. But, Neither do yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, look, I've, I'm losing very... my mane fairly quickly. I so. tell you what, after a day, of, after eight hours of journalism, I feel quite grimy too. So <laughs> <laughs> I need as much help as I can get. Now, Tony, uh, people will be going, yeah, where do we get this? 110 stores in Sydney? Absolutely. There's uh, close to 500 nationally. So there's definitely one close to you. Jeez. Yeah. How long are you guys, how, how quickly the business has grown? Sydney, I mean, in particular in Sydney, it's from 2008. We had about 10 stores. Mm. So that's gone along well. And there's a number of new stores actually going to come out at the end of this year. Um, actually, just one down the road here. We're going to have Walker Street, where the chemist house in North Sydney. We're looking forward to that. It's the end of October. Um, and then uh, New South, yeah, so then, and then we've got Northern Territory, Queensland, and all above. So. Mm. How's the reaction been to, you know, VB fragrance? It's it's almost, I guess, tongue-in-cheek, but it seems like it's been a massive pickup for it. Two years ago, it was huge. When yeah. it first came out, it was huge. Yeah. Uh, couldn't get enough of it. And uh, I think it's for that, it worked very well, mm. uh, really well. The pickup was huge. And even now, well, these packs have only been out for a couple of weeks now, mm. and uh, we're finding it hard to keep them on the shelves. You shelf, find so. a lot of, like, wives and girlfriends are coming in and going, you know what, that's the... Just easy Father's yeah, Day or gift the for a bloke. Man. They're literally yeah. just walking in and yeah. asking for it and walking back. Wow, cool. So what about very cool sort of package? It is. It's very nice. Um, it's classy. That's got a classy, classy leather band. It is. I'm, a, I'm attracted to the color green. Well, hence, I'm wearing a green shirt. <laughs> mm. I I went through a phase in my life where I was buying buying green shoes. I know. What? No, again, I think no judgment. What? I know. I'm attracted to the color green. I've also got the catalog. It's not easy. I've got the catalog here. The current chem- chemist warehouse catalog. And underneath the brute, uh, the brute aftershave here, there's an NRL trophy. There is fragrance. There is wow. an NRL trophy. I reckon if you're a Tiger supporter, you should go out and get it because yeah. it's the closest <laughs> you're going to get, baby. Sorry, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, Denon, mate. Denon is an entrepreneur. He's got like <laughs> the the bloke. I reckon you blokes should team up. Mate, uh, we'd absolutely love to. We we have a, a, a merchandise range and a beer range, but I just think it's so interesting that it, the the men's. Um, Grooming section—it's one of the fastest growing, growing uh, sectors in the 
country, isn't it? You're absolutely right. We're actually having to devote an extra two bays just for the men's grooming kits for the yeah. metrosexual boys. Wow. So, yeah. men, men cleaning themselves. Who would have thought? I, <laughs> I tell you what, when I met my wife, she kept on saying you need to moisturize. And I was like, no way. Like, folks, don't moisturize. I'm telling you, I moisturize every morning now. So The biggest yeah. complaint we had was blokes stealing the missus' expensive stuff. Yeah, yeah and using it. I so know. the ranges have gone gangbusters. I just started shaving. Well, not the face, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Come on. Yeah, I, mate, I got there. I, I, I stripped down. I walked out of the shower once and my mate was there and he goes, mate, what's that? And I said, mate, it's... He goes, oh, God, get some clippers or something, mate. Hey, thank you. I know. Now, you've got the Beckham range as well? We've got all the ranges. So well, we've got Beckham. Then we've got all the prestige brands as well. So from Chanel to One Million... All arranged. Hugo Boss is huge for us as well. Mm. CR7, which is exclusive to Chemist Warehouse as well. Uh, so, yeah, the ranges, there's a number of ranges which are exclusive to us as well. Tony, you're a champion. Appreciate your time this morning and congratulations on the business. Thank uh, you very King much. Gold, mate. There you go. Big Chemist time. Warehouse. Get your VB for men grooming kids today for just $59.99 from Chemist Warehouse. Tony, good on you, champion. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Stick around, people. Get our tips after this. Okay, nanas, kids, uh, all people uh, out there of all ages, uh, grab your uh, pencils. Here's our tips for the course of the weekend. Webby, what do you got, mate? Uh, oh, I just got rid of it. Uh, race nine, number seven, Zuccarino. Zuccarino. I know someone's just tipped where, where was that? Rose Hill. Rose Hill, okay. Rose Hill. Did you do any betting over there? Did you... Did you uh, frequent, what about, isn't it grim over there where you oh, go to the, the tabs, old, William oh, Hills? Oh, those betting shops. Oh. No, I didn't do any bidding over it's there. It's like walking into a closet that's just full of smoke. But you know what I don't like overseas? You can't even open up your your betting app because oh, it's blocked. Man. They're blocked. They're, they're geo-blocked. We'll, we'll oh, have to have a yarn to Ned's about that. Exactly. I think we should. What do you reckon, Danny? What's your, what's your sort of tip for the weekend, mate? Tip the for the week? week. I reckon. And we've got our footy tips. Mm. I reckon Roosters beat Storm. I reckon Manly beat Raiders. And I reckon Cowboys beat Rabbitohs. Yeah, right. I don't know how much that's paying. Yeah. But it'll be a fair that. bit. What are you, Benny? Got anything for us this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to uh, Richmond Greyhounds tonight with Brian Fletcher and Nathan Hyman. What are, are they oh. getting, are they getting an earner, then, aren't they? <laughs> I am not at liberty to uh, discuss would they be? what they would, would they? be getting. What do they uh, have to do for that? Just oh, turn up. Just Fletcher turn goes, up. Oh, I'll be going out. I might turn up drunk. Ben goes, mate, must you? Just a bit of professionalism. Yeah, uh, but uh, zipping Kyrgios in uh, race eight yep. at Richmond and also in the same race, Photo man. Well, I've gone storm to win one to uh, four points. South 13 plus and Latrell Mitchell in that game, two tries or more. That look, good one, boys. That's all from us. Remember, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Have a good one. <laughs>final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au now.